So I thought, right, Dyrus means he got the stipend from Riot plus streaming money from being TSM, and therefore maybe at the time Riot TSM didn't pay much salary on top of that. It's worse than that. When I asked him privately, you just mean that stipend, right? He basically told me, like, oh, I just never got anything. I just never looked into it. So it's even worse than that. Like, it actually sounds like TSM might have just kept the fucking stipend. That's actually theft, if that's true, yeah. by the way. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Side Select, our first episode of 2024 in the new year. New year, same us. Well, slightly less of me, I guess, on the show, but uh, everyone else and everything else is is all the same. Grumpy old people talking about Obviously, people. I'll just immediately ruin the episode by saying that crap line, isn't it? Obviously, it was hair yesterday. Got him to <laughs> Whatever. You, you get the point. That's a fucking pantomime level joke, fans. So good. Thank so good. That's very bold of you, Thorin. There you go. Let's start with that line. Uh, yes. Uh, my ears are... Well, they're not cold right now because I'm wearing a headset. But uh, generally speaking, they do get cold. So that does kind of suck. I, in hindsight, probably shouldn't have done this. Probably winter. Dead, dead center of winter, probably not the time to shave. Yeah. Really, you know? I mean, in my brain, <laughs> I was like, I could just wear hats. It's winter. But who wears a hat around the house? Thing is, though, I can't lie, Foxdrop, of all the people I know in eSports, you actually, I think, could actually make a fedora work. I think you're the only person <laughs> where it would actually look appropriate. The rest of them, it looks shit, doesn't it? But like, you could make it work, I think, mate. I'm going to pin that to the top of my CV. That's pretty my... good. Because, <laughs> that... you know, most people look like a dick. You'd actually look sort of suave with it, I think, mate. I think you could pull it off. You know? Wow. That is, some, that is some very high praise. Either that or you think I'm some kind of... Embracing the neck beardy type. Who knows? Yeah. All of their strengths and all their weaknesses. That's it, you know. Yeah, we we'll choose to believe this is a positive, a positive thing. We've we've come back here from our lovely Christmas and our lovely New Year's. We already had a Christmas episode, so we won't get too Christmassy. Um, but before we do get into esports, I do have a question. To be honest, it's kind of Christmas related, sort of. It's one that I thought of as we went over Christmas, but I still think it's appropriate to say here in January, it's not too Crimbo related. It's Crimbo adjacent. My question to you guys here, not esports related, of course. Don't get that crap out there. We'll delay that. What is the best leftover food? Food that you have, Ooh, okay. and, you know, enjoy. Like, it, it doesn't have to be Christmas. Obviously, Christmas leftovers are banging. Everyone knows that. But, like, one of the greatest things about ordering Chinese is that they send so much food to your house that you could feed yourself for the, the upcoming week. You know, the leftovers and, and pizza and stuff like that, a few slices, whether you want to heat it up or have it cold or whatever you want to do with it. There's lots of ways to enjoy leftovers for food. And I think it's brilliant as well because it's just like, oh, it's so great. You bang it in the in the microwave or the air fryer, whatever. Zero effort required and you get to stretch out the enjoyment of the food. But what is the best kind of food for leftovers? That is my question. That's what I'm wondering about and what it is in your opinion. So well, let's does get, anyone... Let, let's get the yeah. obvious ones out of the way, which is obviously if you have a turkey or whatever it is and you've got a bit of stuffing left over or whatever and you basically whack that That's all, all in. Christmas dinner, basically. Exactly, and put it in yeah, a sandwich. Yeah. Obviously, probably not the potatoes. Probably leave those out. Uh, they'll all be gone anyway in, in my household. But uh, yeah, so that's always going to be like a banger. But I feel like that is the default answer. Something that I actually do quite a lot, only when I like order food, which I guess isn't too often but whenever i do or very often when i order food i will order food with this in mind and for example if i order from like i don't know a, a pizza place or like a burgery kebabby type place i'll quite often order 
more food than I know I will eat in that sitting, including like sides and stuff that I know will be good. So a classic is like from Papa John's, for example, I don't know if they still do, but I assume they still do. They do uh, the, the like cream cheese jalapeno poppers, which is like jalapenos covered in cheese inside a popper, uh, like breaded. It's fucking banging and it tastes exactly the same the next day as it did before. Or like mozzarella sticks, for example, if you've got the right way to recook like a mozzarella stick so it still like melts again, like those are bangers. So yeah, I'll go for like lots of sidey kind of stuff, like finger food, because... You know, reheating an entire dish to me always feels like kind of a waste. Like you didn't eat it as at its peak, you know. But if it's like a side dish, then you can always like manipulate yourself into being like, well, you know, it's not even. It's just a side dish, isn't it? I can just have one of those whenever I want. So yeah, anything which is like a sort of side dishy. Also, pizza, hot tip. I think I said this on a previous episode, but if you do get pizza, some people think that pizza is a great leftover food. Some people think it's terrible. The best way to make it less bad. Again, sprinkle some water over it. Obviously, if you've got a dedicated air fryer or something, okay, cool. But if you don't and you're like me and you just have a microwave, sprinkle water over it so it soaks into the bread. Then put it in the microwave. And that is a banger next day food as well. So, yeah, that, that would be up there. And there are some foods that I just simply wouldn't, like certain kinds of like kebabby meat or something. I'm probably starting to look pretty sketch the next day. Probably not going to touch that again. <laughs> Chips, obviously, or sorry, fries for our American friends. Uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm told there are ways to save those and I will trust that that's true. But for me and my utensils, nah, I, I don't think so. So yeah, sidey, sidey foods for me. Sorry, problem with this one in Foxtrop is, like, I actually do feel like there is an obvious cheat answer, which is just Chinese food, like you say. It's pretty much universally like, one of the main upsides, like you say. Like, I'm pretty sure, like, like, America's the worst for the portion size of people know that famous thing. that If you go for, like, Chinese food in America, they essentially give you enough food to feed your whole family because the logic is, obviously, by giving you more, they can justify putting the price up, and that's how they can make, like, every dish, like, 15 or $20, even though it's Chinese food. It should probably be, like, I don't know, $5 or something, you know? So since everyone knows you always have enough for leftovers, I actually do think Chinese is the obvious answer. Like for me, even a lot of Chinese food can even be good if you don't even eat it up. It's such a good cold, even. I think actually in general, by the way, the answer is going to be Asian food. Cause I also think if you come from the UK, everyone loves Indian food there. Yeah. I think Indians want the best to reheat. It's yeah. all pretty fairly similar. By the way, the naan keeps great. Yeah. Uh, if you've ever had the Korean style of fried chicken, that's pretty good. Whereas like the KFC starts more breaded. Breaded isn't always as good the next day. Cause theirs is more like crispy. It's like almost like a crispy skin coating or something. That one, holds very well. So yeah, just say in general stuff that either you don't have to reheat or it's just very easy to reheat and it goes in that sense. I don't know why specifically their region but I, I think it works. I mean I've heard there's some like sort of scientific explanation because people say the same thing about the pizza that's to do with something like whether like the grease locks in the flavour or something and then when you're heating it like unlocks us. I don't fucking know. That's what people always claimed about pizza as to why it's still all right the next day if you eat it. But I think it's Chinese. I think China, you can't really go wrong with it. I also agree with Rich as well. Since they already do give you massive portions, I actually... I almost factor this into deciding. Like, yeah. if I'm really hungry and I'm going to eat everything now, then maybe I will order something like he says, like with fries or something. Whereas even though I love fries, they're dog shit the next day, aren't they? So if I know, like, I'm only half hungry and I'm probably going to eat it tomorrow, then I'm actually going to cynically do exactly this. I'm going to pick something I know. I could indeed eat none of this and have it the next day and it'll still be great. So I think Chinese for me. It's a boring answer, but it's true. I've just remembered the ultimate cheat. I'm not sure this counts as an answer, but I used to do this because I used to have a deal um, at my local subway where I would order order uh, two footlongs 
And you know, obviously they ask you like, do you want it microwave, whatever. First one, yes. Okay. Second one, no. So I would get oh, the, see, the, right. the normal Subway uncooked <laughs> and then I would heat it up and guess what? They put it in a fucking microwave as well in Subway, spoiler alert. So it tastes exactly the same as if it was cooked fresh. So yeah, Subway, that's probably a cheat answer. But yeah, Subway is, is pretty good. By the way, in general, have you noticed as well, as much as it might sound like blasphemy if you are from the UK, I love chips slash fries. But I will say they are probably, even by me, the most overrated food. And what yeah. I mean by that is when I think about getting some fries if I'm hungry, immediately, yes. When I get them, the first few fries, loving it, banging. But mate, I feel like after like five fries, it's just diminishing results the whole way through, isn't it? Like, does anyone even finish a portion of fries ever? Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's, and that, uh, surely once you get like 10 fries in, you go to the main course, don't you? Like, I actually feel like it's sort of like fries are almost an illusion of how good they are. They're not actually as good as even I, even in the moment I'm saying that, because I haven't just eaten now, I'm thinking, oh, fries aren't that bad. But I know if I'd eaten 10, I'd be like, who gives a shit? But wait, I, I've, I'm done with this. I've got a question for you, Thorin, because this goes into like eating philosophy, right? Because this is how okay. I get around that problem. Because if I went to, I don't know, a fucking sports game and ordered a portion of fries, yeah, like five fries in, I'm like, Fuck it, now I can have some real food. But okay. what I usually do, because some people are weird about this, like they'll order, let's say you go to McDonald's, right? So you get classic burger, fries, shake, whatever. Okay. And they'll eat the fries first, then they'll eat the burger. What I do is I eat some fries, then I eat the burger, and then that like semi resets my taste buds, and then I'm okay. able to have like a few more fries, <laughs> bit of burger, few more fries, bit of burger. So I do that, and so that's how I finish it. But if I had to sit there and eat through a whole bag of fries, I'm not, I'm not gonna do it. So yeah, if you ever have that problem, let's call it fry block. Then uh, yeah, have a little. Arnold Foxtrot is the amount of tips and tricks that Rich has attempted to accumulate in a lifespan, but have just shit like it. The problem is there's no book for this. There's no one's ever gonna know. Like he's essentially trying to hack his True. own life. Like he's playing a Monkey Island game or something. Like right, this would be the correct decision. This is how you min max this level. You know, like this power level before this Dead Souls boss. So like he's trying to just like min max the shit the whole time. But the thing is, this is okay. This is actually true though, because because I have like. Uh... I, have I like, can't lie. I'm going to try that now because I, I know what you mean. Like it. the problem is, you never go back to the fries normally. It's true. You start and then you leave. Don't yeah, you? yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because I have true. I have like actually quite severe like ADHD or whatever, which I don't you know advertise as a crutch or anything like this. Okay. But I like life hack everything oh, because right. I mean like okay. my brain is like inherently lazy. Like it doesn't want to do anything unless it's something that's super stimulating automatically so i'm always just trying to cut corners and figure out like ways to basically manipulate myself into doing things but yeah it doesn't stop at eating even even counts for eating so there you go i feel like i feel like life is just one big process of min maxing things i don't know whether that like i i, I come in from uh playing hockey and if i if if where I'm playing doesn't have showers, I need to take a shower. So I'm like, okay, I'm starving. I'm gonna, you know, put some rice on and put something in the in the oven. And I've got like eight minutes or something. Oh, so you're multitasking. Downstairs, have the shower, come down, and the food's all, you know, like it's brilliant. And have I you had... ever done a mad one though, like go in the shower and forget about the food and then come out and it's oh, all burned or something? Have you ever absolutely. done that? All oh, right, okay. Yeah, it's not it. Yeah, more than once, but. I haven't burned the house down yet. I mean, so. It's the worst feeling in the world than that feeling when you've just unnecessarily like put your house at risk. You know where like it's like you really do just go on like, oh, I'll just look at someone on Twitter a second. And then it's like half an hour later. It's that it's that moment of lucidity that kicks in of like, oh shit, I left something in the oven. Like that moment, yeah. mate. 
You could like bottle that. That's like pure fear. <laughs> it's pure fear. Like it's like a crazy adrenaline spike where you just think you've just ruined your whole life for no reason, just for five minutes of looking at a screen. It's like it's yeah. such a worthless feeling, isn't it? At all. I'm gonna buck the trends here, actually, with the answers uh, that you guys get. What are you going with? Firstly, I could eat fries for days. Like honestly, this I. This is I the world where it's cold fries, guys. He's actually in, enjoying cold fries. How's that real? Well, not well, not cold fries to be fair. But like, I, I'm not like when you were saying. You, like, really oh, them. you think if you're eating the decent, are you reheat yeah. these fries? Oh, okay. right. okay. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, 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 okay. Let me rewind a little bit. So exactly as Rich said, I order more than I know I'm gonna eat. Right. Right. And my answer for this question, best leftover food, is at like a burger place. Right. So you get. Some okay. burger places do like meal deals, yeah? Basically burger, chips. Yeah. Kind of, yeah. And what I found to be the best leftover option is I'll, so I'll buy the burger and chips and that'll be my meal for the day. And then for the day after, I get a wrap and chips because they're always cheaper. The wrap is always okay. cheaper. You get like a wrap meal deal for like $5.95 or something like that, right? Whereas burgers might be closer to £8. Yeah. And the wrap reheats a lot easier because it's just thin tortilla and then like, Whatever the content I actually do this as well, by the way. I get wraps as well. Yeah. yeah. Wraps are brilliant. And if you honestly, you guys saying that chips reheat poorly, they do in a microwave, but in an air fryer, it's so good. Not move, is it right? Okay. Yeah, it's so good. And yeah, you just you bang in the chips, you bang in the wrap in an air fryer, you put it in there for a few minutes, it comes out. It's just as good as as before. Okay. Honestly, it, I'm crave I'm craving it. As we're speaking about it, I'm like, oh, yeah, I could totally go for a burger past wrap tomorrow. It's honestly so good. And, yeah, it's 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 brilliant. I think aside from Christmas dinner, that is, as far as takeaway food goes, that even trumps the curries and the, and the Chinese foods of the world, in my humble opinion. Don't you By just the way, love... as a quick aside, I do think the fact that a Christmas dinner not only is one of the best possible dinners you have, like a proper roast, but the fact that it does so incredibly easily work as leftovers does, in a way, in a weird, in theory, unrelated way, it make me think that it actually justifies that our civilization was right. Whatever we did to get to that point, we did find the best food and replicate it. Like that is actually, if that's the zenith of our food civilization, we nailed it with the roast dinner. Like it's a fucking bagger. Mm. You can't go wrong with it. You're not wrong. Absolutely. Do you want to say something, Rich? Oh, I was just going to say, I also up. appreciate how, like, the psychosis of British supermarket culture just seeps into everything. Like, even when Fox is talking about, like, a burger joint or whatever, it's a meal deal. I mean, awesome. It's brilliant. Yeah. As if we're yeah. in fucking aisle three at Tesco's or something. Yeah. It's brilliant. All those you little must have that when you're just eat. You must have that when you're ordering the things. It literally says, like, you know, a wrap meal deal or a... Do you know, I don't, I don't know. I don't, probably, maybe, I don't know. I don't, I don't pay as much attention. I do those little supermarket slogans. I do stick with me. So whatever they're doing, they're they're doing right. I mean, aren't it they? rhymes, Rich. It rhymes. Exactly. Listen, you have True. to understand there are more reasons to shop at Morrison's. By the way, <laughs> if people think I just like had a stroke, that was the real attempted slogan of the shop Morrison's, not Morrison's, you'll notice. Morrison's actually, to make that slogan work, just fucked up their own name and just pretended <laughs> that was the name. That was the actual slogan. I'm not even trolling here, like, guys. So that was the real it. slogan for Morrison's. My, my it was more reasons to stop. It's like what's mad about the slogan is they're either fucking up their name or the word reasons. It's like neither can work. It's not a real slogan. It doesn't rhyme. Does it's a different word? Bit. It's a different word. My my favorite one is the Domino's one. Domino's used to have a slogan called 
Tuesdays, spelt T W O days, because okay. obviously it's always two for Tuesdays, isn't it? They used oh, to do so right. you order. But the general public was too stupid to realise that. So they actually yeah. changed it to two for Tuesdays. Because oh, enough people God. couldn't see them misspelling and didn't get it. So there you go. They had that reminds me of when um oh, what was it? Oh, crap, i okay, I'm gonna get this all wrong, I think, but um it, it there was like in america like two burger chains were going at it it might have been big big names like burger king mcdonald's i don't know but it was like a quarter pounder um was standard you know one fourth and then uh in competition this other burger chain released a third pounder i guess right oh, okay um but because people thought four was a bigger number than three. Oh, well, I've heard yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, sure. Yeah. That's why you've got to be very careful with your marketing campaigns. Uh, yes. Yeah, they just call it like a better pounder. Probably would have got more sales from those. Well, the joke is it's like that one where the thing I always thought was funniest about that Amber Heard Johnny Depp fucking court case wasn't even all the scandalous things it's the idea of like the mega pint it's like it's either a pint yeah. or it isn't you moron like what is a mega you mean just multiple pints you idiot like because that was the thing that kept cracking me up like everyone else was just like yeah it's like a giant glass like it's not a pint then is it like a pint is an actual unit you american idiot like what are you doing that would be like saying oh it's a mega meter what do you mean oh, it's like three times bigger than a meter like that's just three meters you moron like that, i love that one like that's just another example of that where people just get lost in the terminology <laughs> That's just the most American thing ever, it. though, isn't it. it? A mega kilogram. Yeah, brilliant. Love it. Oh, that's fantastic. All right. Well, it's all downhill from here. Let's talk about some esports. Uh, we'll start with Counter Strike, shall we? Um, yeah, so Blast Premieres come and gone. Grand Finals, Vitality. Uh, looking pretty hot, to be honest, as, uh, as we go into 2024. Uh, the team to beat, arguably, you know, in 2023, I say that title perhaps would go to phase. But uh, so far, you know, Vitaly holding up strong on that front. You know, who do you think is going to be the team to challenge them this year? You know, what moves potentially, if any teams need to make moves, need to happen uh, in order to challenge Vitality? Uh, just talk to me about 2024 Counter Strike and the big dogs of the title. Rich, hit me up. So, yeah, I mean, obviously with CS2 as a whole, like we're still working on a relatively small sample size. Um, the Blast finals were like super convincing, I would say, for Vitality overall. So the obvious answer for them to sort of stay pat would be like not to change anything. I would suggest, and this is going to be sound really unfair because I actually thought he had a pretty good tournament, but I do think that Mezzi is not a long-term solution. And I did also think that in the maps where he did have like a downturn, let's say, it wasn't just, you know, oh, he's playing on the edge and it's just not working from this map. Like, I do think he is not... If there's tiers of players, right? Like tier one, tier two, tier three. He's like a tier 1B, right? Like, he deserves to be on the tier one team, but I just don't think... I don't see him being part of a long-term plan of, like, a de facto number one team in the world. As I said, which is a bit harsh, because just on the basis of that tournament, he was actually fine. Like, he did hold his own. So, if I were them, I would probably be looking for another player in that position. But if we're going to put them to one side for a minute and say, you know, who are the teams who aren't there yet, who are likely to, it would obviously be a bit of a cheat answer for me to say, well, any team that signed Simple is immediately going to be in the picture. But I will start with a team who I think could sign Simple, which actually I might have changed my mind on in retrospect a little bit based on the interview that Thorin did with him, because I'm not sure 
how much you know he might want to be with an american organization again i know they're obviously not always based in na because it's a fucking bunch of russians or whatever but i actually think cloud nine are a team that if they just change a couple of things they could be like completely unlocked and go to the fucking moon um the problem is like what do you do or who do you change obviously boomich right now is in-game leader like are you happy with that? Are you satisfied with that if you're Cloud9? I don't know. Let's pretend that you are. So he says, you're not going to get rid of Electronic, obviously. Probably not going to get rid of Perfecto. So then it's like Hobbit. Or like I just think that you could insert Simple into that lineup and change the dynamic of how that team works. Obviously, then you have a real fucking Orpa for once as well. And I think that could actually legitimately be a team who can challenge for top one. I also think that at the start of any rendition of CS, it's going to be slightly Wild West. I don't think we can be lazy and say, oh, well, uh, NIP at the start of CSGO was so dominant for so long. Like, I don't think that's like a replicable thing that's guaranteed to happen. I think teams are still working out how different shit works. I saw a video just yesterday of like Manasi talking about like a new silent drop from Window on Mirage. Like there are so many like kinks and weird little things that are still being... Um, worked out that I think there will actually be quite a lot of movement here. So I'd say C9 would be like the team I expect to take the biggest leap if they were to sign a simple. As I said, on paper, I think it makes sense. You know, it's a, a la language that's going to, um, you know, sync with him better than just you know, being on phase or G2 or some random shit. So I, I think that could happen. With, with G2, um, I would personally have liked to have seen Glaive go to G2, by the way, instead of to Ents. Uh, I think that would have been banger. And I'm not going to say like the Ents thing like won't work. I think that deserves a bit of time or whatever. But I don't see Ents even with Glaive doing that much. And I would actually like to see Glaive go to G2. I think that would be super interesting. I don't know how the personality dynamic would work with Nico or whatever. Obviously, um, he's had issues with Danish in-game leaders before. But I think that would be like really interesting to see. Um Phase is definitely more of like a wait and see for now. I don't think they need to make any changes. Obviously, they just brought Frozen in. So wait and see. Like, is he going to be enough? I don't know. As evidenced on Blast Finals, no. But you can't really put my stock on that. It's his first fucking tournament. I think he's had an amazing 2023 Frozen. He'd probably be in my top 10 HLTV. If I was in like an HLTV top 20, I'd probably put him top 10 even maybe. thought it was banger. So... Who knows? Uh, and then the other teams, like, I'm not convinced by Na'Vi. I know if you were to, like, look at a world ranking or something, um, they'd be high. But for me, no. I think Wonderful is good, but not, well, he's not simple. And I don't think he's, like, shown to be super special yet. And what are the moves that realistically they're going to make? Electronic's not going to go back, I wouldn't have thought. Simple won't go back. I'd be amazed if he did, at least anytime soon. So what are the actual moves that they can make with CIS-based players that are going to take them to the top. I don't really see it. And then we go to teams like uh, Heroic. I think they're way too far away. Ents, as I said, not really convinced. Uh, Mal's definitely don't have enough for me now that uh, Frozen's gone as well. Um, and yeah, so I, I think that C9 would be the team where I can most obviously see like, oh, you just make one change and all of a sudden they're a contender. Because again, let's just keep it really simple and say that simple goes to... Uh, C9, you fix the orping problem and the uh, dynamics of like Boomich and everything. Like, do you want to move that around? I know they're suggesting that Hobbit was going to do some calling. Like, I feel like you can fix the team with one move there. I think some of these other teams are a bit too far away. So, yeah, I think C9, if they make a move, can definitely do it. I think they'll be a contender even if they don't make a move. I think there's so much talent on that team. It's ridiculous. So, 
they'd be the one to look at for me. And then I'd throw Faison as well, because if Frozen really comes into his own, they should be a top contender at most big tier one tournaments as well. So yeah, those would be the ones I'd I'd throw out. What about you, Thorin? <clears throat> Do you agree with Rich on that? I mean, for me, just like the actual tournament results show you, I actually think Vitality and Fears could genuinely just be the two teams that just sort of battle each other at the top, and then they're going to be like the clear front runners and the ones that whichever one has the best tournament or their star goes off should win the event. Like the funny thing is, as well, it's from a different angle for both. Like what's weird is Fears Clan just has like the best core. Like you've seen, they were able to take out Twist and put in Frozen, and even though Frozen didn't play awesome, it just looked great. Still, like the team just operates. Like there's a world where who knows if they turn up and Z who doesn't play well. In the Maybe they could even have won this tournament. Like, they're just a really awesome core. The the Vitality one's very interesting because really, to me, I actually think most of the narratives have died on that one. Like, people keep trying to force the idea of like, well, you've just changed this player and then you've added another player. To me, as soon as Zonic goes, Magisk goes, and now you're bringing in like people who had nothing to do with Vitality before. They're even from like, they're not even big names. Like, Flames was like an all right size name and Messi was actually a smaller name. Like, if anything, that approach is more like, it reminds me of professional sports. You've just brought in a bunch of good like pieces is and then it's just good play it's almost like just your job in vitality to me i don't see some special core of like some big like approach to cs to me what you've got is the absolute best player in the game zero and then you put some other good players who have some firepower so finally he has like actual help and essentially to me so if zero is still the best it looks like he will be you can that's enough you've got the pieces built around him to win all the tournaments so for me the obvious ones are fears and vitality beyond that there is a group most of them that rich just listed but i actually do think that they would more be the dark horses unless they do make some sort of a player change. So, like, I agree, G2 is an obvious one. My problem with that one is this. It's not that I'm, like, some enormous JKS fan. Like, this is where people get it wrong. They think me and Richard are on the opposite sides, that Richard thinks JKS is overrated, and I think he's like the shit. No, no. As, like, a star player... He's just going to be in an also run. If you want DKS to be your main star player, you better be like Mouse or Ents or something like that. If you actually want to be like one of the best teams in the world, like G2 was, they had him in the perfect spot. He just did all the things in the game he was good at, but didn't have the pressure of having to be the star. And if you ever go and look, the only times it was rare that this team, they only won three tournaments with this lineup. When The only time they would win was when basically the whole team almost would frag out, including GKS, so a bunch of these tournaments. So my problem is I think G2 has just downgraded the firepower a little bit on their team, and they already needed to almost hit their peak level to win the tournament anyway. So people know I'm not really a hooksy believer. So I'll still give them Dark Horse status. Like if you have G if you have Monacy and Nico, they can go off and win you a tournament on their own. I just wouldn't expect it to happen. So the obvious one for me with that one still, it's not that JKS has to come back. It's just changed the in-game leader. I'm with Rich on this one. I don't get what I, I genuinely don't get what this hooksy thing is. Like I've never heard it because here's the weirdest thing. Normally with people like that who are getting totally shit on 24 7 normally if it's totally not true people in the team 24 7 defend you and constantly do interviews about how really you're bringing all they don't even do that with this guy mate they never mention this fucking guy in the if you have seen an interview with nico it'll be about nico tournaments he's won recently in his career it'll never be anything about hooksy and how's hooksy calling and what's he doing and what's your so the weird thing is it's almost like they've just decided we're just not going to address the IGL situation. Whereas to me, the reason it kills me is any great IGL could have been Snappy, could be Glaive, could be any of them that are out there. Mate, G2's almost the dream job. Like, that's where you're getting a team and it's ready to win. You have the pieces now. Like, you're not walking in going... 
if I could get like an eco, you've got an eco, you've got an eco modesty now, and you've got Hunter who's like a great piece. It doesn't need the, the whole JKS one, like, like I say, if you get the right IGL, won't even be a big deal. Nexus, all right, he can do his job. The rest of the pieces are there. So the sad thing is, G2 could be number one, but I think they won't be. Obviously, the real one that's come out of nowhere is the Falcons one. That actually looks pretty good all of a sudden. Like, I'm not sure about the Boris guy, but that's the obvious move is if he doesn't work out, the rest of the team looks straight fire. You've got some pies, you've got Madden, you've got Megas, you've got Snapper. All you'd need essentially is to replace like an aggressive star rifler, which if you don't watch like tier two European Counter-Strike is like the main role that is produced right now. Like that's actually the easiest position to fill. So I think Falcons actually with a little bit of maneuvering could, could very quickly in the next year, this year rather get up the rankings and get sort of like third or fourth. And then the other two ones are the CIS ones, rich listed. So Navi is just like, look, the problem with the Navi one is the same thing. It was even when they had simple, it's like on paper, you've got such a weird set of puzzle pieces, but you can see like there is sort of a way if you could make it work, it could be really good with simple removed. You just have less of the crazy upside. Like wonderful is pretty good. He's sort of like 80% of simpler people don't know. The problem is you're going to have to have everything come together with this team for me. You're going to have Alexi B going to have to be awesome. Blade's going to get, system in, Bit's going to be one of the best players. If you do all these, it's plausible. I think for that one, the obvious change for me would be another, just another good rifler. You can pick probably Emma at this point in time. I don't, think, I don't think the experiment worked like people hoped it would. I think if you replace him with just a good aggressive rifler, I think you'd be in pretty good position. And then the last one, it's actually the same reason Rich said. It's just essentially Cloud9. The joke is already they've got such fabulous riflers, they could fuck around a dark horse winning event. But the obvious move is, mate, it doesn't have to be simple. Just any fucking Eastern European opera. Bro, we'll take them all at this point in time. Zorte, fucking Dexter, any of them. Just get me any of these guys who are real opers. Because the second you put... This is why Shiro leaving is such blue balls for that lineup. Because you waited forever for them to sort the IGL situation out. Then they did. And then Shiro just left the opera. And it's like they've never in this Cloud9 lineup actually had like the proper setup. Because if you know when they signed the Gambit lineup, a lot of us already critiqued the Nafani guy, the old IGL, and some of the other players. So my problem is Cloud9's like they're always this close to being for real, like maybe number one. Like, I do feel, I agree with you. I think if they put a, a good opera there, it doesn't have to be simple. I think they could be number one, mate. I think that, that lineup has massive potential. So, there's my four G2, Navi, Falcons, and Cloud. I think they're just the obvious ones. It's more just what angle you'd take to improve them. But I will say, by the way, as a conclusion, this shows you why this year is going to be way better in CS2. Because CS2 to this point, not only did it not have the giant lands with like 16, 24 teams, but uh, all, half the events were like new rosters or rosters yeah. that were going to change or fucking stand-ins. And so I don't feel like almost like CS2 really began properly. Like now it feels like you actually have a proper top five to six teams, a couple of like dominant teams, like real players that have emerged as good players. So I feel like now, it's a reference to the CSGO analogy, now it's like CS2 has begun properly. Like any all that shit, like that's the beginning of the game and uh, the result. No, now it actually has some sort of stability. I, I think it's going to be fucking sick, actually. Like, if people don't know, the other thing you have to remember that everyone forgets is over the years, they've changed the Kalavitsa dates. Kalavitsa starts end of January now, guys. It used to be March, I know, but like Kalavitsa is the first massive event. Then you got the major a few months after that. It's not going to be that long. I think this is going to be a mega spring, personally. I think it's going to be like a banger opening to CS2. By the, by the way, a team we didn't mention, I wanted to get your thoughts on Thorin. Like, what do you think of the, the team Liquid lineup? Obviously, a lot of people will look at it oh, and be I like, forgot, actually, yeah, yeah, yeah you're like, right. okay, oh, in theory, I actually, I, I would actually say this. I would actually say, I don't even think they need to change. I actually think, in theory, their lineup could also be one of the teams that compete. The obvious gamble player there is the Skulls guy, the Brazilian. But I think, aside from that, the rest of the pieces are great. And the good one with that move to me is if the Skulls player doesn't work out, if, again, it's just a play, you make that one player change and you've got a fucking banger lineup again. Like, I, I'd forgotten that one. Yeah, the Liquid lineup's actually very good in my opinion. I think that's a very interesting mix they put together.
Do you know? Do you know where they're going to be based? But by the way, because originally I assumed it was going to be Europe, because obviously they've got that whole setup or whatever. But then when the, I saw like the Brazilian name as well as like and Twist America, I was like, are they are they definitely going to be based? And I think in it's in Americas, but I'm not certain on that one. Here's mm. the problem with that: you have to remember Team Liquid has that facility in Utrecht in yeah, the Netherlands, yeah. so they do train there and boot camp. And obviously, for you counts right now, you spend most of your time in Europe. But as far as I know, because they're using like the Americas slot and they've got a Brazilian player, I would imagine they'd live in America yeah. if I had to guess, because just logically you can get the Brazilian guy. In Telly or something like that. I'm not sure how that works. So I actually haven't looked into that one. Because to me, that might just be one of the things that cock blocks them a little bit because okay. obviously lots of players have subsequently, who've like done since in America and have come over, have complained about oh. that setup. So yeah, I don't know, for scrimming and whatever, it might be a bit, bit shit. Well, enough Counter-Strike talk here. Let's move on to some League of Legends. And I'm quite excited about this one because it's not just League of Legends, but old school League of Legends. And I suppose maybe you guys are excited too because it might be a chance to take a dump on uh, your favorite esports organization. Uh, recently, Dyrus, uh, TSM's former top laner from way back when, one of the OGs of League of Legends, uh, he did an AMA on Twitter, and on, in that AMA, a, uh, a fan asked him how much money he made while he was on TSM, and Dyrus replied that he didn't get paid at all for being on TSM. Uh, no money whatsoever, just paid from being his uh, uh, you know, streaming and stuff like that. To be fair, he was a massive streamer back in the day, but either way, not being salaried by your team is definitely something. Um, yeah, a bit of a shocking revelation there. Uh, and best of all, of course, he didn't elaborate. He just said that and left it left it at that. So now we get to pick up the pieces here um, and and speculate. Ahoy, brilliant stuff. Um, so what do you think about that that news there? Um, and is there more to it, obviously? And if you know industry standards around that time, which I'm sure Rich will have some more insight in as well, uh, what are your thoughts in general about that? Uh, I went to Rich first, so sorry. What do you what do you think? Okay, I've got some good angles for you on this one. So first of all, obviously, the really crazy thing about this is that he was not only a huge streamer, so he's making a lot of money from that. But this is the part I think people are missing. So people are doing this weird thing on Reddit where spoiler, can you believe this on Reddit? They're automatically finding a way TSM can't be wrong and reverse engineering yeah. all of their opinions and principles based on that. You know, ergo, what you don't do in an actual like moral discussion. So because they're trying to find a way this is fine, their logic goes, well, he had loads of money from streaming, so why would he need salary? It's like, no, 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 that's why he also should be owed an enormous salary, you fucking cretin. Because TSM didn't hire him because they're like a giant charity that takes in orphans who they then put in a streaming program. They do it for money, you fucking idiot. They make money off the stream as well. They put their sponsors on the stream as well. The whole joke is, it actually necessitates you should have had an even bigger salary plus your streaming because, like I say, you're not a charity case. Like, like Foxtrop said, Dyrus actually, at one point, arguably was the biggest streamer on TSM. He was like the most amiable TSM member. Maybe people like the odd one or Reggie. The difference was everyone liked Dyrus. And he used to stream a fuck ton too as well. Yep. So my problem with this topic is there is no way you can spin this to be reasonable unless literally before they made a deal with Dyrus, they sat down and said, here is how we could structure your deal. You could have salary plus streaming or salary without streaming or streaming without salary. Which of the three do you 
you choose. That is not, by the way, what he even implies he chose. And actually, I'll tease this for the second because I'm going to get to it. I did actually reach out to Dyrus and ask him a few questions privately. So I can tell you, this isn't just that Dyrus is being like vague and he just, he did do all that. But like, you know, he's just like making it like in a in an offhand way. Like, oh yeah, I just didn't bother with that guy. It's like, bruh, or whatever, you know. Because obviously he did have, he has a lot of fucking dude, where's my car vibe to him, does Dyrus, if you don't know him. Like, he's a bit of like a, a special individual in that way, I'll just say. So my problem is this. When I reached out to him, it's worse. It's actually worse than I thought because I thought I had the angle that was going to undercut this and make it not that bad a story because here's what I thought people missed, Rich, because as, as Foxtrop alluded to, we're going to have to explain some of the early League of Legends scene to explain why it's different. So one thing people will miss, and I'm sure I'll, I'll obviously leave this for you, but the obvious setup here is this is why 5.5 fucking gear was a meme. Like, well, that's nothing now, is it, guys? That would be nothing. That would be minimum wage in the LCS like two years ago, some 5.5 gear, wouldn't it? But here's what people forget. One of the revolutions, the innovations that Riot did do in the early early LCS was they gave you a stipend, didn't they? They paid your team 12.5k a split to then give to you a salary so that actually you could start League of Legends Esports because remember the premise was if you're going to have eight LCS teams in America, well, if you remember when it launched, it was called the Big Four was like Curse, Dignitas, TSM and CLG. And the others, the reason it was a Big Four is they were the equivalent of when like some team gets promoted to the Premier League. Like, you know, they can't survive. They don't have any players, they don't have any money. They're going to go back down. So what they did was Riot decided Decided, well, the way you artificially give these smaller teams a chance, by the way, it worked. I'll give them credit. The Vulcans of the world and the good game universe is you just essentially will pay like the basic minimum amount. Think about that. It's roughly 25K a year. We'll pay you essentially a living wage to play the game. And then you worry about everything else after that. After that's just, you know, the gravy. It's like sponsorships, endorsements, branding. But you can essentially what they what Riot introduced was even the player on the worst team in the LCS at the time had at least the the salary to play professionally like the player on TSM like Dyrus. So the so I thought right oh what's happening here is it's just semantics isn't it? Dyrus means he got the stipend from Riot plus streaming money from being TSM and therefore maybe at the time Riot TSM didn't pay much salary on top of that. It's worse than that. When I asked him privately, you just mean that stipend right? He basically he told me like oh I just never got anything I just never looked into it so it's even worse than that. Like, it actually sounds like TSM might have just kept the fucking stipend. That's even worse, guys. Because if you don't know, that really is your mum saying, be sure to give your brother two pounds out of this and you just keep it all to yourself. That's actually theft, if that's true, yeah. by the way. That, if that's true, then TSM slash Reginald just stole Dyrus's money. Now, look, there's also a world I'll just shade in there where I don't know that Dyrus is the most fucking let's say, a meticulous accountant. He might just not know that some of this was paid to him or went in a wood account or came through some other payment. He got some tears. Who knows? I mean, an obvious question I've, I, I would have on this is, was any of his streaming business done through TSM? Maybe they put the revenue through the company or something. In which case, they could have just paid you some of this along with it. So I'm not actually totally certain if it's Dyrus being a bit the fucking the big Lebowski-esque and not know what's going on and he hasn't been paid or if he actually did and he just didn't pay attention to it but I will just say if we take his words at face value the idea he never got paid any salary that is outrageous now even though salaries would be way lower like let's be real when he joined TSM in 2012 a real salary would have been like a thousand dollars a month that would be like a good salary but the idea they don't pay you is insane like I say unless you explicitly did a deal like essentially I'm going to give you more like let's say I, I don't know maybe I took a cut of your streaming. You're going to get all the streaming, but no salary. Well, that's just you making a financial decision and we're doing a deal. 
my problem is if it was ever like, because here's the, here's the key point I want to get to is the way Dyrus phrased it as if sort of like, oh, I never bothered with that. No, no, it's irrelevant, Dyrus. It's not about whether you bothered. Like, TSM is a professional gaming organization, at one point, by the way, valued by Forbes at like $500 million. There's no, like, you never got around to doing it. They should have taken care of all that, mate. You're one of their top talent. You're a top... The idea is they should have either Reginald or literally accountant people coming to you, like, make sure you do this, Dyrus. We've got to get this in for tax reasons. By the way, there's another thing people don't think about. How does this work with tax exactly? Mm -hmm. This is a giant company paying tens of millions of dollars in tax, presumably, right? And what? Like, was he paid or not? Was that salary or not? What do you, What do the books look like at TSM, by the way? That's the obvious question I start asking. It's like, I'd, I'd actually be fucking, look, I'm not a snitch, so I wouldn't do this, but I'd be calling the IRS going, I think you might have to look into this team, mate. If you look at all these stories together, there's some, like, financial irregularities, presumably, going on behind the curtains. So, I actually, even though I don't think this is probably a massive scandal, it sounds like it's just something stupid from a long time ago, there, there are actually implications I find a bit disturbing though like it makes me wonder what else has been going on there if this is the case what about you Rich what are your takeaways from this whole thing I mean it's, it's also really funny in retrospect as well because Dyrus appears to be like the ultimate victim of Stockholm Syndrome like oh, it's really people bad who don't yeah. know like this guy after every TSM scandal has to put out an obligatory tweet yep. about TSM were great Andy's wonderful don't and this is someone who We've seen video of them literally being abused by said person on fucking tape, haven't we? So, you know, I, I do think, I actually think uh, the Big Lebowski is a great analogy for Dyrus. I think he'd almost be a good cast for a sequel, to be honest, in that role. We'll probably see a lot of sort of dopey similarities as well. And I do, I do think there's, as you say, there is a chance that he just didn't have a fucking clue what's going on and it might have gone into his account. And Dyrus's dream was so goddamn big back in the day that that little stipend might not have, you know, no, no, it was, it was making goddamn money almost. Yeah. Like if I had to guess, he was making like six figures just off the stream alone. Yeah, at least, yeah. at least, I think yeah. he was the biggest League of Legends streamer it when it blew up, like on Justin TV yes. or a Twitch or whatever it was at the time. So yeah, uh, he was he was probably making. He probably bank. was on like twenty k a month or something. Anyway, I yeah, would imagine. Yeah, I would think know. so. Um, what I think is really funny about this is this also does play into what is one of the biggest perpetual myths in League of Legends esports, which is that. Wait a minute, just on that thing though, I said at the beginning. You know what I said? Like the weirdest thing is the Reddit response to this. Bro, yeah. when do they ever keep that energy? I tell you what, keep that energy about how TSM treated Red like Dyrus, and when you're talking about like what me or Rich do in our lives and our careers, shall we? Because fucking hell, where's this generous side that I've never seen? this mate like i can't actually believe the default position sort of like it's okay like no one's no one's even mad about this like uh, Dyrus is mega beloved are we all mad he didn't get paid i want this guy to get paid what the fuck uh, i don't know it's just i don't know it's just it's just tsm fans isn't it that's really the, must the, be. the must two be. word explanation for that but yeah no this also just plays as well as i said into like the biggest one of the biggest perpetual myths in league which is that tsm is like one of the highest paying western orgs. oh yes tsm yes have not been that for years, by the way. There are a couple of choice moments in time, for example, yes. when Bjergsen joined or whatever, at a certain point in time, Bjergsen got a, a bunch of money. But this was not always the case whatsoever, as evidenced by this. And by the way, again, all the people who are defending this situation on Reddit being like, oh, but he got to live in the gaming house in New York and blah, 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 and it was 2015. Bitch, in 2015, EU, which financially paled in comparison at the time to NA, Every single player in the league was getting paid at least the fucking stipend. The only team that I'm actually not 100% sure about on that 
is SK because there was some seriously dodgy shit going on at SK with how much those players players were getting paid. So maybe I'll put SK to the side because I'm not 100 sure. But every other team 100 percent was getting paid at least the stipend. And by the way, H2K for example, which never had like loads of money to spend whatsoever in 2015. And yes, we were in the league at 2015. We were paying players a salary, by the way. And it wasn't like 300 quid, 500 quid, some SK deal. They were all getting paid four figures a month in 2015. So the idea that you're TSM and you own all these guide sites and you've got all these sponsors or whatever, and you can't pay Dyrus, who has a bigger profile than the entire EU scene combined, pretty much, like any money whatsoever on top of his streaming is mind-blowing. But well, you, know you do notice that they almost... That's another weird thing about the thread and the reaction, Rich. It's like they almost try to <laughs> conflate like early League of Legends with like early esports 10 years early. Yeah. Like they make it yeah. sound like no one was making salaries, don't they? Yeah, every... As I said, for like every team in yes. EU, which was yes. financially way worse off, was paying at least a stipend and a bunch of teams, at least Fnatic, H2K, yeah. Gambit, were all paying salary, four-figure salaries on top of that. So that's nonsense. But what actually made me laugh about this the most when it just popped into my head again is this means based on what he's saying he wasn't even paid to wear those stupid fucking gunner glasses oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> like he brought, by the way unironically the amounts of units he probably shit oh, he used to wear himself. them all the time yeah yeah he used to wear guy. those stupid glasses all yep. the time i thought he was probably married to the fucking ceo probably getting paid like a million a year, like whatever he didn't get paid anything for that i guess that's fucking mental wore those stupid things for free. So I, I do also think as well, if you go back and you look at the TSM legends and all the like content back then, they had some mega viewership for a start on YouTube. By the way, way bigger viewership than they have now. Way oh, bigger enormous, yeah. across the streams, across TSM legends. And they had big sponsors. They had people like Gunner. They had the peripheral sponsors, Logitech. They had Snapdragon. They had all these big sponsors. And where's that fucking money going? All into Reggie's pocket, I guess. Because where is it going? And by the way, this is something that... Oh, mate, you just made me remember something. You're going to remember. Anyone who was on old school Reddit knows the meme I'm about to reference. Do you remember they used to always say to brag about how rich TSM was? They yeah. said that anecdote where they said that Dan Din, the brother of Reggie, said that Reggie could afford to buy two Lamborghinis and just crash them into each other for no reason and he'd still be fine. <laughs> right, that suddenly isn't quite as funny if that's yeah. Red fucking Iris's salary that he's just crashing <laughs> into the other one. Like, well, yeah, no wonder he can just crash Lamborghinis. He doesn't fucking pay anyone. What are we, what are we talking about yeah like it's sinister as fuck but you know this actually puts like a lot of other things into perspective because i remember one thing that i disagreed with uh richard lewis on about around this time actually around early 20 late 2014 early 2015 okay. was he was taught it was some random story and he was just talking about how this illustrates like the greed of organizations to the detriment of players or something and i remember saying to richard like to be honest most orgs are absolutely bleeding for money and there is right. no like greed there's like survival and what yeah, is yeah. the best thing we can do but there were always exceptions and caveats to that like a tsm existing well well they're in a position where they don't have they were in the best position and they're yeah. one of the ones who actually were doing like actively making decisions to fuck over players like consistently through their t entire tenure there is a consistent theme of like yeah basically hoarding money on behest on behalf of the organization and to the detriment of players and as i said throughout the lcs 
TSM was always the biggest brand. Like, always. You could make arguments, I guess, at Cloud9 or in a similar echelon or whatever. But basically, TSM was the flagship brand. Oh, sure. And they were always paying salary. Even whenever, like, Noah Winston came in and salaries got inflated, TSM was still at the lower tier of salaries yep. being paid. Always. So they've always been the skimpy ones. They've never been the big the big spenders. Apart from, ironically, the one time they tried it and it went to complete shit yes. with our good friend Peter Zhang and Sword Art and, you know, Maybe yeah. maybe uh, Peter Zhang crashed uh, no, Sword like, Art's car. Into... It's like they had to just waste all the money they saved exactly. on the way out. I felt like, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. And then they realized, fuck this. But we're just going to leave esports. It's like, where is TSM, by the way? Are they not meant to be playing in LPL right now? I think that league started, hasn't it? Where's TSM? I thought we were going to see The just thing is, ironically, the only game I follow that they're in is Counter-Strike. They have a low-level Counter-Strike. Yeah, they team lost one yeah. of them. In any other game, I'm telling you guys, they're not in Valorant, another Riot game. They're not in fucking Dota. Like, they're in they're like they're Apex in Legends or PUBG or some shit, something like that. So yeah, I, I, yeah. But to me, as it's I said, anyone who anyone who wants to try and like normalize this, or it was 2015, no, it was not like that at the time at all. By the way, perfect example. If we take a a, a good comparative point and not even talk about Europe versus NA or whatever, Curse, Curse were making very good offers two teams like a year before that in 2014 i remember they approached um they wanted forbidden i also think they made forgiven an offer at some point and these offers were pretty good they were like 5k a month plus you know all the benefits and what have yous of, of playing in na at the time with the increased viewership and all that kind of stuff so it was not normal at all to not pay a player a salary especially in na and it certainly was not, a tr in fact, probably illegal, if this is true, to not pay a stipend. If they actually didn't pay a stipend, I'm fairly sure that's actually illegal. Might be illegal, yeah. The, the, by the way, the only reason Riot paid the stipend to the teams, then to the players, is because yes. Riot themselves were doing some dodgy-ass tax avoidance bullshit. Yep. That's why they did it. It wasn't for any other reason, but that money was absolutely allocated to the players. Yes. It wasn't, we're giving this money to you, spend it how you will. No. That is the player's money. We're just dodgy ourselves, so we're going to give it to you in this sort of really shady backhand way. So, yeah, uh, I, I, I actually kind of feel sad for him as well because even though he would have made a lot of money in streaming at the time or whatever, again, his career ended in 2015. For people who don't know, his streaming career did not keep going to Mount Olympus. It basically fell off a cliff. And this is something that Doublelift, and why I'm predicting Doublelift will come back at one point. Once you retire... People yep. are no longer watching a pro player at the peak of his powers playing the game on the stream. They're watching Do someone. Do you know how gross it was? Because uh, up until recently, that used to be the refrain on Reddit. If someone said they might retire, they'd go, it's okay, because he's set for life from yeah. streaming. And it's like, bro, they get like three years. And then even yeah. if you're I'm a cute part, you're nobody yeah. after that. You you just, it's over. Like, yeah, tell, it, they, I don't think they get doing. it. You actually, this is why if you double lift, if you actually want to be a streamer, it makes sense to keep coming back every year or two, like like refresh your sort of reputation. Yeah. It, I think it's insane people tell people you can just be, nah. you, there's no such thing as a long-term streaming career as far as I can tell. Maybe no. three people are going to get to do it, you know. Yeah, like as, as, how, how's Ob1 doing? Probably a single yeah, digit exactly. three, but how's fucking, yeah, I mean, all, all these people, I'm a cutie pie, he fell off a cliff. He's these probably... were the biggest in the whole world at the time. It was crazy yeah. how big these guys were, wasn't it? Yeah, Wild Turtle, like all these people straight when Whenever they stream, they would get banging numbers. Dyrus now gets like a couple of hundred viewers and he's playing fucking RuneScape or some shit. Like, yeah. So I feel bad for him in that sense because this is someone who being a resident in NA and a perpetual player like throughout those splits should have made a decent chunk of cash, even if it's not the money you make now. So yeah, it's pretty sad. But uh, 
what can you say? It's just another chapter in the ever-growing uh, book of uh, TSM. I think it deserves more prodding and looking into, to be honest, because I think the kind of underlying summary of all this is, well, even as you guys were describing it, there's always that asterisk and caveat as of, well, we're not quite sure with Dyrus. Like, maybe he's just done this. Maybe he's, like, you even said maybe he got pain, just didn't realise like when we're entertaining these kind of notions, it's so hard to, you know, this whole thing could be a, a nonsense issue. TSN could be like, no, no, we we did play him this time, and he just didn't. Oh, but realize Fox it. actually <laughs> makes a great point though. Like it's it's a new year, 2024. There's already been a lot of content put out by you know your boy Thorin on bad journalism stuff like that. Any of you budding journalists who want to do real journalism, what a great fucking opportunity! You've been given the lead for free. Yes. There you go. Go out and do some real investigative journalism and go and talk to Dyrus. See what actually happens. See if you can contact the accountants. Maybe his dad, Daddy Rus. He's always, you know, poking his head around the scene. You, I'm sure you can talk to him. Fucking DM that guy on Twitch. It'd be a good conversation, if nothing else. Do some real fucking journalism and emerge as a serious player in the space of esports journalism. Why not? That'd be a good story if you put it all together. <laughs> I do wonder about that sometimes. Like, I'll give you an example. I actually did see a tweet yesterday that was the same thing, Rich. I saw Striker, who's actually now, by the way, like the main fucking guy at HLTV.org in Couchdate, if people don't know. He did a tweet where it just goes like this. Because they'd added those teams to the Blast Partner circuit, right? He was commenting on this, and he's commented, and he goes, Mouse is a bigger mission here. And from what I understand, it wasn't for a lack of trying. I'd be curious to know if that was just about being outbid or if there are other factors. And I want to go, brother, you literally run the fucking biggest Counter-Strike website in the world. Maybe you and I don't know your checks notes team of journalists could find that out, you idiot. You're asking that publicly. It's like, I wonder if it'd be possible. Well, if anyone should not be you, like, bro, like Rich says, like, you don't know you guys. You can actually just go and find these things out. Like, you don't have to just wonder about them as a cool concept. Like, if you have a journalist, that's what you can actually just go. It's like I did with Dyrus. Like, I actually just messaged Dyrus, like, well, did you get the stipend or not? Like, we don't have to just wonder. We can find these things out, can't we? Because again, as of right now, the story that in the would head... be a story if you reveal yeah. that. I think what a... that's like some look. I know the Pulitzer Prize is actually nonsense in reality, but people know what the term means. That's like Pulitzer Prize winning journalists. If you broke yeah. a story that TSM doesn't pay salaries and that they were sort of like fiddling the books, by the way, that's even like a potential legal case that could be open. That could be enormous. Yeah, yeah, that, that's like journalists to the year shit, boys. Yeah, you'll see chaos coming out of the out of the woods again to oh. desperate for his esports paycheck. There you like, go. But that's the thing, like, because obviously the buck presumably wouldn't have stopped with Dyrus. Like, you would assume no, that probably most not. of them weren't paid if yeah. they weren't paid. So that would actually be a huge coup. So, yeah, any any budding journalists or... do that meme, isn't it? Like, now, like, Biofrost is like that meme. Like, wait a minute, y'all were getting salaries? Like, you know what I mean? It's like that fucking <laughs> meme. <laughs> but also, this is a way where all these little like, leaker accounts or whatever... If you actually, it's actually a relatively small amount of work for yeah. what, what you would do because if you put this story out from now until the end of time, every time you put out one of your leaks, it'll be, well, yep. that one's got credibility. He's got credibility. Yeah. Can you trust that? Fucking these other Spanish people or whoever it is, like, nah, they don't do any real journalism. It's just Discord hearsay. This guy interviewed this guy. He did this. He did real journalism. So why not set yourself apart? By the way, here's what gives you away, Rich, that these people don't have real sources. Because all they ever have is roster moves. 
They don't ever, like, here's what they never have, Rich, even though they're supposed to have all the inside sources. Why don't they just tell us why Selfmade was kicked out Fnatic? Why don't they just tell us why, like, Alfari just didn't even get its salary from Vitality, but just sat there on the bench the whole time? Why don't they know anything, actually, that's interesting behind the scenes that everyone wants to know? By the way, what I'm pointing out here that people are going to miss is... It doesn't have to be a roster move. Like, essentially, it's just a tweet with info. Surely that info, by the way, is way sexier than, like, yeah, self-made definitely. match between the team. It is. But the point is, you would only have that info if you were a real insider. And we know, yeah. it's actually by process of elimination, we know none of these people are the real insiders. They never have this info, dude. Like, they never get a single, like, actually spicy story. It's just roster moves every fucking time. I don't get it. But well, I do. It's because they don't have real sources, but... But yeah, no, it's it's so true that like before, you know, just an example, like before these kind of shows, or whatever, we'll just randomly talk about something. Yes. Either the other person already knows about it, which quite often happens, yep. or they don't, or whatever. It's like that. Some of that stuff, and no, we're not going to go out. And, that leaks out man. Yeah, we're we're not going to go yeah. out and fucking tweet about it. But it's weird how none of these people yep. have access to any of this actual like interesting yes. information whatsoever. So yeah, I don't know. I don't get it. Because yeah, as you say, like if I had a scan, I don't know, if I told you about, oh, this player did this with this fucking uh, girl who works for Riot, blah, blah, blah. If that was put out as a story, that'd be way yeah. bigger than some fucking roster yes. move. Like, way bigger. So, yeah, it's it's just, they're in their comfort, little comfortable space and they don't want to do any real journalism. Although what I just described was kind of gossip, but... In, in a way. <laughs> we'll call it journalism, <laughs> why not? <laughs> All right, let's move on to our last topic here today. Still League of Legends stuff, but uh, finally, I feel like this has been uh, looming over the League of Legends esports, especially for quite some time. Um, it all started, in my opinion, uh, a few years ago with Neom and that situation uh, with the with the LEC. But Jacob Wolf recently has revealed that Riot Games have been talking with the Saudis for the Esports World Cup about essentially giving permission and giving a license to that tournament to run a uh, to, to run a League of Legends uh, tournament. Uh, reportedly, two teams from each major region will compete in this Esports Cup and World Cup, I should say. And the prize pool is, is going to be fairly astronomical. Prize pools and League of Legends isn't really something we've talked about too much, honestly, for a long time, even though every tournament has a prize pool. I don't think people even realize that, you know, like the oh, final, by the way, I don't well, know if the worlds, if they even tell you on the broadcast what you win, like no. you get like a first prize, but I don't think that's ever even part of the broadcast. Yeah. If, Same if for you, me, if people don't know all these tournaments have a first prize. Yeah. 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 If, you, if you were to ask the average, what? Well, the average fan, what was the prize pool for Worlds? They wouldn't be able to tell you. If you could oh, ask no. the average player, even probably the average yeah, they would know. They management, would know. it's just not about the prize pool because it's pittance. But at the same time, it's all about the league system. And uh, to be honest, you're either in or you're out and you don't have any other option. Um, so yes, a prize pool, quite an interesting concept here and could be quite a big one. Um, yeah, basically, Saudis... League of Legends, Riot Games, it's all coming together. We've obviously seen a lot of Saudi influence in different esports, esports winter happening, not a lot of money in the scene, etc., etc. Just talk to me about it. Talk to me about League of Legends with the Saudis, uh, the low World Cup as a, as a whole as well, if you can touch on that too. But in general, I just want to get your whole thoughts on the situation. So, Rich, hit me up. So yeah, obviously there's two main aspects to this, right? There's like the social consciousness aspect or whatever, which I'll launch to the side for now. And then like the pure 
sort of esports angle. Now, the first thing that sort of worries me a little bit from the esports angle, and by the way, it's not all worry. Like, I do think there are certain positives or whatever. Obviously, people are baying for more international tournaments, and this promises that. For people who haven't read the article, it says that two teams from every major region um, will take part. This is all penciled in for now, right? Like, I don't know if any of this stuff's been confirmed, but yeah, the, there'll be multiple teams from the major regions, presumably like maybe maybe single slots from the lesser regions, whatever. So it's going to be another international event. So woohoo, cool, great, whatever. Now, a theme of all things Saudi and Middle East when it comes to sports, if people follow golf like LIV and and uh, esports with the Gamers 8 stuff or whatever. Like, they deal in astronomical amounts of money. And that, in itself, is kind of problematic. One, because of what Fox said about how, actually, no one ever really talks about the prize pool in League like they do for the international or whatever, because it's shit. It's fucking terrible. The one for Worlds isn't bad. Like, I'm not going to say that's an insignificant amount of money, but it's not, you know, groundbreaking or whatever. And I'm pretty sure whatever the Saudis do with prize pool is potentially going to blow that out of the water, or at least be beyond that which creates this problem of well now what is the biggest tournament you have a world championship which is run by riot which is meant to be the most prestigious title in esports they would like you to, to have you believe right and now there's going to be another tournament called the world cup and it's going to have more prize money probably like it's that bit alone is going to be very confusing, especially for Riot, I would have thought, in terms of like, what is the big tournament? What is the most prestigious tournament? So that's a problem. But again, overall, in terms of like more league or whatever and how they're going to redo the schedule so they can fit in another big tournament for an international event, this is kind of what people have been asking for, right? People have said that there's too many splits or that the splits are too long-winded and boring and we need to freshen it up. And what do people really want to see? They want to see the best teams in the world fight region against region and that is what this promises to do so from that aspect you have to say obviously pending format etc that that is going to be a good positive thing and we're going to get more of what we want to see how in actuality that works with like the lec and lcs for example and the splits whatever don't really know but again i think we're all kind of willing to make that sacrifice if it went back to a two split model and you have an extra international tournament from a viewer perspective that's great I would just say that from a team perspective, let's say you're not a guaranteed to play at Worlds every year kind of team. You're not a G2. You're not a super dominant team in your region. Having smaller or less airtime domestically is really rough for teams when it comes to like trying to sell sponsorships. Already like in an esports winter-esque environment and now you're like even more limited time presumably spent on screen. That is difficult and to me, it's going to lead towards what I personally think is inevitable, which is, by the way, guys, spoiler, this is not going to stop at TOs. You're going to see Middle Eastern money coming into Western teams, and I guarantee you there will be multiple Western teams owned by Middle Eastern interest groups next year. Next year, this will already have started happening. So brace yourself for that one. By the way, spoiler alert, it nearly happened this year. I think that deal will get done, but probably in time for next year or whatever. So yeah, this is just the future of esports at this point. And again, this leads me to the social aspect where, you know, is this a good thing? Is this a bad thing? As Thorin's been a proponent of saying, I think for a long time at a certain point, or if you're so inclined, you kind of just have to segregate esports from the West of the world and say, it's esports. Let's talk about esports. Let's leave the politics out of it. Because if you're not going to, and that's not, to me, that's not even really a philosophical position. It's more of a practical position. It's like, why are we going to get so 
lost in the weeds and the source when we know this is going to happen and unless we're all going to pretend that we're actually going to boycott like the industry entirely just shut up get on with it and this is just the future um and for the fans who do care about esports and want to watch esports whatever from that angle this is the best thing that could happen the best thing that could happen to esports in a vacuum is the middle east and money coming in because they don't want any fucking roi they don't care about making any money back they have shit loads of money essentially infinite money when we talk about the scale of esports and they can just keep pumping it in keep producing what we assume will be high level tournaments again look at the football world cup that's something which costs billions to put on like nothing compared to how small the money would have to be to put on decent esports tournaments and they did a great job like loads of people died don't get me wrong like i'm not a uh i'm not a certainly not a bootlicker for the middle east but i will bootlick that tournament purely from the perspective of spectacle and competency and how it was put on how many people died or were you know discriminated against to get there that's what you know that's a, again as i said that's a different thing so purely through that lens the Middle East and money coming in will be great for esports from a financial perspective, as a player, as a team owner, if you partner with one, all those things, it's, you know, roses and sunshine and rainbows. So, yeah, it's 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 net positive for esports, the industry. Uh, again, what's amusing and what Fox alluded to at the start is obviously we had this whole Neom saga, which was for people who don't know, basically one of these Middle Eastern interest groups came in and said, Hey, we're going to give you loads of money. Can you promote our new fucking city build or whatever? Riot initially said yes. Riot who are owned by Chinese Tencent, basically the CCP uh, said yes. And then all the talent and the outrage from the community or whatever sort of rioted or whatever like put up a, a stinker and said we will not you know go on broadcast blah 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 it was somewhat of an honorable stand from a certain standpoint you know it's like okay cool and it got blocked um but it was you know it, it was just a temporary delay on the inevitable which is that these people have way too much money and there are far too few people in the world who are actually willing to say no to them um and it just is what it is. If your average person was a staunch, uh, had staunch morals and and the political standing and was willing to stand up for these kind of things and that was par for the course, maybe this wouldn't happen. But as a realist, knowing that that's true, sometimes you just have to cave in the right way, I suppose. And as I said, overall for esports as an industry, this is a good thing. And it's reaching a point as me for it. Loads of people have said for years at this point, this was always going to happen. And basically esports is not going to be this magical world where you can just pick and choose these little avenues to operate in. If you want to be on the big boy stages and getting involved in, you know, the big picture of esports, this is the future. And as I said, it's going to seep into everything. It's going to be the teams. It's going to, who knows? Maybe they'll make a fucking uh, an offer to 10 cent for a chunk of riot at some point. Who knows? So yeah, it is what it is. But purely well, from the depth at one point seems like the obvious inevitable move also, right? Have their own yeah. game. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Why wouldn't they just pay loads of people loads of money to yeah. duplicate league and make it a bit better yeah. and then pay to shut down the other projects? Like why why not? So yeah, it is what it is. But as I said, from a pure spectacle and from having more international high level competition, great, I guess. Cool. I'll 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 reserve judgment until I see the format, obviously. But uh that's something that can always be tweaked over time as we even saw with the stubbornness of Riot Worlds got changed a little bit. So yeah. What are your thoughts then, Thorin? Hit us up. Right. The problem with this topic is basically the sort of two big discussions we're having here. One is the actual 
I mean, it used to be called the Esports World Cup. It was just the ESWC, if people don't know. That's the brand that they bought, and they're basically going to rebrand Gamers 8, which ran this last year, as Esports World Cup. So there's either that tournament and what it's going to be like and what it might be, which Rich kind of addressed at the end of the beginning of his points. I'll do mine at the end, because I think that's just more an abstract about a new tournament in League of Legends. What do you think of it? What will it do to the system? And then the other thing is this whole Saudi angle, plus Riot's response, plus the public's response. Right? The problem with that topic, and I'll actually take it from the fan perspective, because obviously this is where this discussion's being going on on Reddit and on Twitter, right? If people remember, the reason the timing is so bad for this news to come out that essentially Riot is going to allow and license Saudis to be involved. In fact, worse than that, they're going to give them teams. They're going to make them part of their circuit, seemingly. It's going to become almost potentially an official or unofficial component of the Riot circuit, like something you'll compete in. I would say the obvious analogue is where IEM used to do, IEM kind of eats it and an Asian one, while there was still the LCS and LEC and all the other circuits running. They weren't officially part of the riot circuit but they allowed you to do it and they licensed it and they gave you a couple of teams it's quite a similar setup because you notice the press release uh jacob wolf's write-up rather does say that they will be allowed like two lcs teams from the different regions so the main thing is this right in terms of like how fans responded the reason this has become a scandal is not just neom so the neom story very briefly is in 2020 the public investment fund this is key to point out which is the main fund that the government of saudi arabia uses to buy into all these things had a project called neom with the idea was to build this brand new city. Don't confuse it with that one that's a really big long line. That's a separate project. And Kanye's also is a separate project, right? They were going to make this city that was going to be some big utopia, you know, like Blade Runner-esque fucking metropolis. The problem is there's a bunch of people live on that land and it was implied, if you read it, that they were going to just forcibly like evacuate these people from that land and in doing so may have indeed killed some people, including the tribal leader, apparently. So basically, that was like a specific project that was going to then sponsor LEC. When I say going to sponsor. I didn't say it could have, but Riot said, no, no, it was going to. In fact, it was announced that it was sponsoring LEC. It was announced right after Pride Month ended that it was going to, LEC was sponsored by Neon from now on. And then what happened was the talent heard about this, did a private boycott with a couple of them leaking that it was happening publicly, but almost no one came forward publicly and said, I'm boycotting working on the broadcast. They just privately apparently said, I won't work the broadcast if you do this. Riot, within 24 hours or 40 hours or something mad, managed to actually turn it all around, put the genie back in the bottle, cancel the deal publicly. But as I always pointed out, Richard Lewis's reporting, which will become relevant in a second, always said it was just the talent boycott and bad optics that made them change the deal. It was never actually, this is what I'm going to get to as the crux. What has fucked the whole framing of this story for the last six months over is that fans to this day seem to think what actually happened was this. There was an offer to do a deal with Neom. Riot, they skip all of the facts. Riot just decided, well, that's not moral and we don't need your money, so we're not going to do this deal. And instead, as a result, Riot, bizarrely in these people's minds on Reddit, had actually drawn a line in the sand that there won't be Saudis involved for moral reasons, right? The reason that is so insane is because you have to start there to understand why they've got this story wrong. So, for example, as I alluded to before, it was inevitable the Saudis were coming in because, as I pointed out, Richard Lewis is reporting, by the way, the fucking name. Fuck Jacob Wolf. Richard Lewis is the only name I ever need in the history of esports journalism to know that what he wrote was right. The other people sometimes do a really good job, sometimes do an okay job, sometimes get details wrong. If he writes it, it may as well basically be from God's fucking lips to your ears. Like, just assume it's right. That's the track record this guy has. He reported that internal sources at Riot literally said 
this deal wasn't a bad deal. You just messed up the timing and communication of it. As in, they were telling them internally. Now, by the way, spoiler, that may as well just be, we're going to do this again. Just wait for the right time this time. Don't fuck it up next time. We really want that Saudi money. That may as well be what that was. Now, because that's Richard Lewis, that didn't get on a Reddit. And a lot of people don't know that date. That's why I always bring it up on these shows. So if you know that, it was inevitable that Riot would eventually be in bed with the Saudis. To touch on what Rich said, this is why it's mental. Because I think here's the fiction you have to understand to know why a fan's getting this wrong. They're mistaking when someone's company gets bought, but you let the person keep running the company, that it's their company. They really think those fucking idiots in Riot Global Office in America are the ones that run League of Legends and Riot Games. Now, they do for shit that doesn't matter, like what format is Worlds and who's going to be in LCS. But in terms of who owns League of Legends, they do not own League of Legends. As Rich pointed out, they sold years ago. This is like when Alex Garfield came out and cried about what happened to Twitch and Evil Genius. It's like, you sold them, you cunt. You could be controlling them right now and stop all that. You sold it all, got the money, spent the money, presumably, enjoyed what you spent it on, and then turned around and went, but I also wanted this other company that I don't own to be how I wanted. Well, who the fuck are you? So my point is, Riot only gets to say over what doesn't matter. When it when it comes down to brass tacks, Tencent, the company that owns it in China, decides anything they want. You might have heard a story a few years ago where it was actually implied they internally messaged to Riot, reverse course on that shit you've been saying for 10 years that esports does make money you're meant to make money off this in fact get going now cut a bunch of costs and get the esports product making money that was actually like a thing that was reported a few years ago so these are the people who control the purse strings they run league of legends and as rich says that company is not only 100 owning riot games but they themselves are directly connected with the fucking cccp who run china right and if people don't know that's because that's how big business is done in china you have to have connections if people know that boycott we recently did in Counter-Strike of the Russian orgs because of the war that essentially if you ever did apply it to the concept of like a cold war with China would mean we couldn't do business with any Chinese company because they're all connected to the equivalent of oligarchs slash the CCP I've told this story before so I'll say it again something like last year or the year before Riot Games through Tencent made too much money from not just League but other games as well they have many many games Tencent and because they made too much money by the way think of this concept in America you made too much money sorry well, well, what's the problem? You just gotta give it to us. The government took the money from Tencent, like half of it or something, the profit, and said, we're just going to take that for, like, cultural enrichment of the country. So, essentially, there is no independent company, right, that we're all dealing with. We're already dealing with countries, and there's already the implication of what do you think about the country and, therefore, what they're doing in these spots. So, my point is, why would that company, not a bunch of Americans who've done panels for 10 years and said, oh, we really care during the month of June and July about certain peoples in the world, and here's the flag. And, no, no, they're, they're just, that's just the fucking panel. Mind. The people who actually run it are a bunch of Chinese people over in China who, A, don't give a flying fuck about these topics. These topics aren't in their esports games or on their broadcasts. They aren't on the LPL Pride Month. They don't have anything in the fucking Middle East for that. that it is emitted from their broadcast. By the way, if you want to ever get into a rabbit hole, Western broadcasters will even design their broadcast so that they don't hard encode that shit on screen so it can be removed. So every one of those Western broadcasters you all love is in cahoots to intentionally help these people omit anything about gay people or civil rights or anything you pretend immoral, right? So if you bring it all back, why would that company care about what the Middle East does in exchange for a sack of money? They, by definition, wouldn't, and they don't. So I actually agree with Rich. I mean, my prediction in Counter-Strike was that by the end of this year, or at a minimum next year, 
something like three of the top five orgs in the world in the HLTV ranking will just be Saudi-owned. A bunch of these Western orgs who are the big ones who don't want to go back will just sell out. Of course, it's an obvious move to do, especially because, by the way, here's what you haven't all thought about. Every time you accept ESL Facebook Group being bought, every time you accept that you come into this game, that they've taken over, you know, whatever, fucking Dota 2 or whatever, every time you accept that, it gets less and less of a stigma to sell your company, to go and join their orgs. So it's only going to increase. It's not going to go like to this point and then stop. It's going to keep going until something stops it. So as far as I can tell, this two problems you've got here very quickly. One is no one is willing to ever go backwards in esports. Rich will know this from back in the day. The main problem esports has had as a marketing angle is the angle is always, it's always getting bigger and better. Therefore, that's why you need to get in. It can never be allowed to stay the same. It can never go backwards. So I, you and I know this. That actually, where it was at in like 2015 was pretty good for everyone. Everyone was making a real yeah, salary. True. We had like, but we didn't have to do all the evil shit at that point in time. We didn't have to take the dirty money. We didn't have to work with it. We could, we were in a sweet spot. But the problem problem is, as an industry, no one's going to go back to that. So if you're in a world where you have to keep increasing or maintain this lavish lifestyle that we've all had, like players getting paid millions to be a fucking LCS player, people getting crazy streaming money, like journalist websites that don't ever make a one red cent, but just pay people hundreds of thousands. To do all that, you're going to have to have an infinite supply of money. And as Rich said, the only one right now that cares to give you a tap of that is fucking the Saudis. So they are the only game in town. Then the last thing I'll say is this, which is on the actual tournament itself, even though this is presented, like I say, like it might be like IEM, like you get to be like unofficially part of the circuit, but you're not like officially part of it. It all depends how they run this as to how big this is. Because I agree with Rich. If you look, when they say you can have like two LCS teams, the question there is this, are you picking them or am I? Because if I'm picking them, if that's two of the best LCS, that's MSI. Guys, they could actually be making another MSI. Well, if they're doing that, I can tell you right now, if the prize money is big, these orgs will want to compete and this will actually make it. Like, yeah. I, this is where I would spin into. It's a good thing because I want to see more big international tournaments. Like, if you told me there can be another MSI, but it has to be run by the Saudis. Well, the other one's run by the Chinese. Mm. So to me, that's not really, that's a fucking, that's not even Sophie's choice. That's like, they're just the same. Take one of them, you dickhead. Like, at that point, I don't even have a hard choice. So to me, if you run it properly, this could actually be fucking epic. Could be really good. And the reason why I put the possibility out there, it's not just going to be some also-run tournament, it's because the actual reasoning behind how they were trying to do Gamers 8, which they've now rebranded with the legacy brand Esports World Cup, was that they were trying to make it like old-school Esports. And if you saw this, Rich, where it wasn't just that we're doing a Counter-Strike tournament, it's they were doing every game. Yeah, yeah. And they even had like a special thing where something like the team that performed the best over all the games or something yeah, would get yeah, like yeah. a bonus or something. So what they were trying to do was hook all these orgs like the Cloud9s of the world, like, hey, you want to be in business with us? Like, we'll cover all your games and if you're like sort of the big dog you get like a little bonus on top so I actually think if they do it properly this could be huge like the orgs are mega horny to be involved yeah. in this I can tell you right now because they're just looking at millions of dollars and people paying all your way and actually raising the level of all this shit because remember they're just thinking how do we get the money spigot turned on so that the other companies that follow the money come in like if we want our sponsors we need the tournaments to be huge so this is actually way more important than people realise I think so to bring it all back I actually like the tournament idea. I want another international tournament in league. I think it could be really good. I just think the problem is, if you've embroiled yourself in all the political shit and if you've done what Reddit did, which is stupidly say stuff like, hey, I'm proud to be in league where we don't take like shady Saudi money, ignoring that you're completely owned lock and stock by 
fucking China. But you know, that's the problem. People like that are the ones that are going to have a hard time with this because I actually feel like a lot of people have checkmated themselves. I think a lot of people have given themselves no wiggle room at all. And the last thing I'll say is this. The people I am actually the most concerned for, because it's obvious, are the fucking League of Legends talent. People like commentators, analysts, and hosts. Because one of the things I hate about this fucking virtue signaling stuff is that people who are fucking contractors have put their names on the line with massive moral statements that can now, theory, completely handicap their whole career or make them look like an absolute piece of shit. Neither of which, by the way, may be the case. It might have just been a stupid thing they said or badly phrased or they stupidly thought... I, I want to be the good guy and do what's right. But again, like I said, you weren't even a riot person. You're just a contractor. And now you've put it all at risk because if you look at how some of them phrased that they couldn't be involved with Neom, I would just say some of those phrasings necessitate you could never be involved with this. But... In the 2024, when everyone doesn't have much money, and I tell you, by the way, the riot rates are going down and the jobs are going down there. If if you think everyone's going to turn it down, I don't think they are, sadly. So I think, unfortunately, much like in Counter-Strike, you are just going to see a bunch of very beloved talent who didn't have any reason to have to get involved in this make themselves look a bit stupid, unfortunately, and probably get wrecked by fans for a few years. Like, by the way, if you've ever seen Frankie's replies, it's going to be a nightmare for those people. The rest <laughs> of their replies from history is like, you sold out for blood money. So it's going to get... That's the part that I just find a bit sad. It's going to be funny at the same time in a sort of Rome is burning way, Rich, but it's going to be dark too oh, as well. We'll be there. We'll be there. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, the, the other thing is for all those people, all those Redditors or whatever, who do think that they've successfully managed to dodge and weave and not be, you know, remote, remotely leaked If any of you watched the Premier League or any football or any live sport, spoiler alert, you haven't. Because those build. And by the way, this is I first realised this. Although, by the way, half the problem with this topic is just that Americans don't know fucking football, so they don't oh, know yeah. about the Premier League. I always tell people, bro, just literally look at the Premier League in Newcastle, who is the same people, by the way, the same yeah. PIF. If you know what they're doing, you'll get a sense because they're going to do all this in esports. Of course, it's the game not, plan. Not even that. The people who are like, oh, I'd stop supporting my team if they were owned by the. Sa by the way, this oh, is how yeah. this is how this works, right? So I've got a Arsenal season ticket, flex. And uh, when I go to the... <laughs> it's not a flex, mate. <laughs> when I... when... It was a flex until about a week ago. Now it's not oh, yeah. a flex. Anyway, when I go to the stadium, right, obviously they have those billboards around the side, right? Since about 2010, those have been digitalized. And what's funny, I remember, I noticed this like a few years ago. I went home and watched the highlights on Match of the Day and I realized all those billboards are different. And then I realized, right, okay. more recently, what they actually do is what you see in person at the game is not what you see on TV. And for example, when you that's see stuff, yeah, no, no, <laughs> yeah. look it up. It's it's a it's a whole technology thing that's been, okay. uh, yeah. So w when you see, for example, say no to discrimination as one of like the advertising billboards that does not display in Saudi Arabia or any of the other like like in Africa or whatever oh, okay. where these places can display. insert something else. It says fucking Coca Cola, mate, or what? It's... You know, pick whatever okay. product you want. So right. you, if you're sat there thinking, well. I support Sheffield United and they would never be involved. Brother. They take the money from Sky, which is millions upon millions of millions of dollars so that this kind of thing can happen. Everyone's connected, mate. It's just how, what, you know, level of, of, uh, of um, separation do you have? To what degree are you separated from these things? Like, Ultimately, we make money from League of Legends, you know, by yeah, proxy of a proxy. Them in theory, yeah, yeah of so... You know, yeah. I think that the big, as you suggested, like a big mistake people make 
is they get too virtuous and too preachy with it. And it's all well and good to say, you know, if you say, I would rather that, you know, Saudis weren't in esports and blah, 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 but they are and it's whatever. No one's going to have a massive go at you if you end up working one of the events. The problem is that mistakes that people have made, for example, like Frankie's the most obvious, but also, you know, people like Carlos who have said, I will never work with these people. And then you do. It's like, well... You know, what are you doing? And as I said, a little bit of foresight really could have avoided this. And I've even said to people, by the way, and this is someone who obviously, you know, I'm against the blood money essentially coming to esports, of course. But I tell people that you should probably say stuff or, you know, tweet stuff that, you know, even that I sort of tweet, which is like, this is inevitable and it will become more of a choice of do you want to be in esports at all or not? Because the whole thing's going to get mashed together. And as I said, next year, you're going to see more Middle Eastern org ownership. The year after that, it's going to double. The year after that, this isn't going to end. The whole of the world of esports, in essence, it's going to be tri-owned by America, China and the Middle East. So pick your fucking poison. And again, all these people who work for Riot and kick up a fuss, you're paid by the Chinese National Party, uh, Communist Party, sorry. All the people who, you know, work more directly for Riot. Oh, I mean, yeah, great. You work for America. Brilliant. Like, you work for the Saudis. Like, joke for you on this one, This is a Spider-Man meme. This is technically courtesy of my Discord. I didn't come up with this joke, but it is a banger, though. What they said was, because you won't know this uh, unless you've checked her Twitter quite specifically, but Frankie has got, like, the weirdest sort of, like, mental get out of this I've ever seen, which is what she says is this, Rich. She goes, ah, but I don't work for the Saudis. I just work for some lovely people in Sweden who run the event. So here's the joke my Discord came up with. Look, it's disgraceful that people are implying Frankie works for the evil Galactic Empire. She just works for Steve in engineering. (laughs) Shout out to my Discord, whoever came up with that. That's actually a banger. That is actually a banger. That's so mad, isn't it? it what, I almost appreciate, like, the chutzpah, though, of trying to even go for that angle because it's so whack, isn't it? Like, what do you mean? I don't work for that evil guy. I just work for his underling who pays me. Like, what are you talking about? Like, that's what we mean by you work for him, bro. <laughs> but even, I love it. I love it. Sports. I love it. Even now, <laughs> someone like Frankie could come out with, like, a video statement or a written statement or whatever and just say something along the line. To connect together the joke as well. The obvious joke is the Saudis should just get Dyrus. He'll just work them for free. <laughs> there you go. That's a freebie there. Free. Yeah, anyone in, in that position can just, <laughs> could just, even now, even as deep as she's gone, and she's still in that hole digging with her shovel. She mate. is. She's sadly. still digging away. But even now, if she decided on Monday, you know what? Put out a statement and say, I was really naive. I didn't see the yeah. forest through the trees. You know, we all say, I do try and do the right thing, but I realize that, you know, I I wouldn't say it in this kind of way, but, you know, I'm a small person in a big world. I'm just a a broadcast teller. What can I do? Just own it. Just own it and say, I'm going to, you know, still in my own way, try and fight against bigotry and these other things. But, you know, I'm part of, I guess I'm part of the machine in the way that we all are. And it sucks, but it is what it is. Just come out and say that and then probably not immediately but in a year's time you'll get less of the you fucking gay killing bitch (laughs) like that'll probably stop at least like so yeah i don't know i I just as i said like i think people if they'd had some foresight could have tactically seen this coming and then put out a series of tweets basically suggesting that fuck man i guess i'm gonna get caught up in this too wish me luck like that would have been the angle here's the question to tie the two concepts together though how much do i actually have to pay rich to get ordered only in um 
only in the UK broadcast. That thing on the side of the pitch at Arsenal to say, mm-hmm. like, you know, thanks to Frankie, our best Western supporter, something like that. Something, you know, without you, it wouldn't be fun. How, how much do I have to pay for a bespoke commercial there? Because if it's like 10K, it might be worth it, mate. It might actually be worth it. So, yeah, I'm just saying. It's one for the Discord to make, even if it's not financially oh, yeah, possible. I'd find it, exactly. Yeah, yeah, true. Yeah. Get it together. So, with all, with all that said... <clears throat> You actually kind of... think about Foxtrot? I want to know because, like, like I say, there is a way you can divorce it from the Saudi Cup. You can just make it about having another tournament in league. Like, that's well, interesting, this is, right? This is literally what I was about to say is, like, there's two sides to this. Firstly, it seems as though no one really wants the Saudis in esports. I mean, in an ideal world. Yeah, right? yeah. In an ideal world. Yeah. But also, it feels inevitable. But then what? what can you even do about it? This is the thing. It's like, I do believe that we're in a kind of i guess like with social media especially things are very black and white right you're on my team or you're against me you know and so if you're working at an esports event for the saudis you're a bad guy that's just it you're you're a bad guy you're part of the problem i'm i'm this is not my yeah yeah, sure this is this is kind of yeah how it seems to be but what you know realistically what can you do like and especially, I think, in League of Legends, it's difficult because if you do go against the status quo, uh, it's essentially Riot, um, they hold all the power in oh, every sure, sense yeah. of the word. You are blacklisted. You you are just, you know, they stop messaging you. They stop talking to you. And what do you do? It's career suicide. And there's only so far you can go, I guess, to stand up for your morals if you want to put it in that in that way before actually this is just you know you're just okay so i guess i just can't be in this you know you know that that's that's where it ends up i just can't be in esports anymore but this you know, is all, seems extreme but this I mean, is you have also... to basically become a martyr like for real i would phrase it that way you essentially what the, the real problem with this whole topic and it's a really uncomfortable one i'm saying this even personally because if you actually think about what this philosophically means it's not what any of us want to think crucially about our perception of ourselves as a person which is we all do want to believe that when we watch a movie like the famous example is the nazis right if you watch a movie about world war ii you have to believe even though by the way i'm sorry it's probably not true in all cases you have to believe well i I wouldn't have been one of them, would I? I would have been the guy who was willing to, you know, go to any any cost. Maybe they'd have killed me as well. But the real problem is you can't know until you'd be there in person. Someone put a gun to your head. Like, are you going to do what I say or not? Like, you wouldn't really know in that moment. Like, well, would I give in or not? And the real problem is everyone wants to just do their esports job. And so we've all pretended like, no, we're all moral people. And it just so happens our job is this esports job. But the reality is what we're really ha- being asked is, well, how far does it go before actually you just want to do the job? And you, you, the morals don't really apply. And so if someone, look, I, here's what people don't get. I don't really think if you really did put Frankie in a room with this main Saudi guy and a fucking a gun and he shot someone in the head because she agreed to, I don't think she would agree in that moment. Like, yeah, I'll work for you, even if you're going to kill this guy. But that's actually, by the way, a deeper problem I'll briefly make, which I made this point on a show I did with Richard and Monty, that I actually think if you boil it down, the biggest evil, not even of capitalism, of the way the modern world operates is absolutely abstraction because abstraction allows you to not think you're actually making these decisions and so basically i've always thought the the real way you made the world more evil was things like a guy in america 
talks to someone who presses a button that in the other side of the world fires a missile that kills people. Because you're so far removed yeah. from it, the guy who talks to the guy who then presses the button doesn't feel like he murdered those people. And so in the same sense, the real problem is if you make it that you're talking like if you did this thing, you are killing those people in the Saudi Arabia, then it's hard to walk that back and go, but I just want to do the esports tournament. If that was just like I'm in general against like mistreatment of gay people or whatever, you've got some wiggle room there. My problem really is like I feel like people don't realize they essentially this is why it's a tough topic I actually feel like what we're all realizing is we aren't all these virtuous heroes we all pretended we were it isn't everyone else doing it all we're all on some level doing it we're all this is the genius of the system they've made us all partly complicit like only on a very very minor level obviously of things like we watch the match or we don't boycott it or we will participate or we'll pay some of our money but on some level we are all complicit by the way I am as well even if I say I'm against some of it like like you say I keep doing the content I don't fuck off our League of Legends I still comment on Riot Games stuff like on some level we're all compromised now I don't have a problem with that in the sense that like I understand I'm not some fucking I'm not like Jesus part two I'm not some perfect avatar I have flaws and things and things I'm greedy about and things I'll turn a blind eye to the real problem though is for some weird reason in video game industry we've all pretended we are super virtuous i don't know why we've done it it's so silly to me it's so unnecessary as well because as you notice the real issue with this topic is pragmatism and pragmatism doesn't work with idealism they're, they're opposites aren't they the other thing as well is that people don't realize in league specifically it's not like football or something like this where the industry is so big that if you did like pull out all the saudi interests or whatever it would have an effect, but it wouldn't, you know, destroy anything or whatever. Right now, the trajectory that esports is on, and obviously this is something Thorin you alluded to before, it's trying to grow or whatever, and it's relevant enough that the Saudis care and want to put their foot in and want to wash or any other words you might want to use about it. But it's not some self-sustaining automotive that's just going to plow oh. through whatever walls are put in front of it. No, it's going to crash and burn in most walls that it hits. So that's the problem. If you take the Saudis out of it, by the way, spoiler alert, esports is in a fucking world of trouble, by the way. So it's not like we have the choice of, I love esports, but I'm going to choose not to work with the Saudis. Like, yeah, you can make that choice, but that choice will probably result in you just leaving entirely eventually. Because the way esports is going, it's not remotely sustainable. It's almost like some people predicted this would happen like fucking seven, eight years ago. But, you know, people still paid astronomical fees for franchise spots, didn't they? Mate, you know, the real joke of like the Saudi thing is it's just exposing how many people did think that Western esports ran on like a magical spigot of money in the ground or something. I don't yeah. think they get that. Like, you know, all the rest of the money that was blown and has gone now was just a bunch of Western businessmen who now have just gone, by the way. Like, that's over. Like, that gold rush is done. Like, uh, people really thought it was sustainable or something, dude. Like, they didn't understand it was always just like a luxury interest basically we're essentially for real the esports industry is sort of like like some like victorian women's polo group that is just paid for by like high society or something like it's not a real sustainable business guys like it was nonsense and all the stuff that like even the angles where you think like oh that's not true because this all it probably isn't even how you perceive it to be the wizard no, ones no. are still probably behind that but vitality great example you're like oh they're a western or that guy the guy that owns vitality by the way is not western spoiler alert so that these for like Asian interest groups and Saudi interest groups well, have been around for ages anyway. It's always, again, it's the meme, like it always was. And esports would, the choice is really, do you want esports to look anything like how it's looked recently and or better, or do you want it to die, essentially? That is the choice. And the only answer to the first path 
is Middle Eastern money because, again, they don't care about making any money back. And that is the only way to sustain this unstoppable, perceived unstoppable train of esports, which actually is incredibly fragile. So, yeah, it really is just a choice, as I, again, said it would be like a couple of years ago between do you want to accept Saudi money in or do you want to see esports either die or probably not die, but be reduced back to what it was many a year ago so by the way I'm, I'm i've got a serious question to ask you guys just a philosophical question to throw out there right the reason why i find this weird is because since i have myself very rarely ever had to make like a really serious moral decision over like work or something i i find this actually like i find it is just in the philosophical domain so here's my question to you if you ran this is, I'll, I'll make this like a stupid analogy for you if you ran a chip shop fox drop you just run a fish and chip shop right and you know that one of your best customers who lives on the same estate it is either you can pick it could be a drug dealer it could be like a, a gang member type guy essentially you know this person does bad things and he hurts people but he's a really good customer and he tips you five quid every time he buys fish and chips for his crew like if you're a fish and chip shop you're not really going like surely like hmm, but is this a person we can accept this don't you just sort of go yeah here's your fish and chips i, I can't really worry about what you're doing so what i what i find weird is if i give that analogy i feel like most people can follow the analogy well then why are like for example commentators having to like decide like they were fucking tense at, like who should be in the industry and who should isn't their job kind of just commentate the game you know can't, can't that the rest of that be your private opinions and if you care about it, maybe you give money to a charity or some sort of activism or something. I, I feel like is it, i guess it, it isn't it kind of inappropriate that we all have to make these choices i don't know where do you guys are on this i think it it's a, it's a good point because i feel like esports is always unique in a certain way because it's it's come up in the age of it's in the it's in like the online sphere or space whatever you want to say and and with social media and stuff like that i think there is certainly an element to it where people just trying to do what they can you know if you're if you're a chippy owner firstly when you started that question i was gonna my answer was gonna be thank god it's friday but we went somewhere completely okay. different with that okay. so unfortunately i can can throw that one out um my god but, <laughs> but i do think it's just you know you, you're just there's something very different about you are owning a shop you know down the end on the corner down the end of the road on you know brown street where you see the same 10 people all the time you know in in your tiny little village or, or whatever it, you know that kind of thing what's your global impact in that sense you're just this one little chippy owner whereas in comparison if you are let's say a, a shocks of the world when you have hundreds of thousands of people following you on your profile you know your your public oh. facing profile um you know and you, from from the internet and like i know there's a lot of disinformation as well but information is passed around just like that you That's know true. um and, and you've got this like pu like permanent public record of, of everything you do and say of the food you eat the food you crap out at the end of the day I do think it has a different optic. You know? I mean, thankfully, you don't really get that through so shocks of social media. But I, I get no. the premise. I get the premise. Okay. Unfortunately, it's on a Patreon, I think. Yeah, <laughs> you say thanks, Liam. Yeah. But I'm, I just think it is different. And, and there is an opportunity, perhaps a unique opportunity, to just try and do the right thing. More so than, than an opportunity you might have if you're a chip Okay. Owner. Uh, and so, yeah, if I was a chippy owner and I had someone come through that I knew was a completely dodgy customer, would I still serve them? Yeah. If nothing else, I'd be too afraid not to serve them, to be honest. But, you know, yeah, I, I, I would. But does yeah, that mean, enough. you know, as a 
as a public figure that I can't try and do the right thing and make kick up a stink about stuff. And that is going to mean, I I mean, I, I am someone that spoke out against the neon deal. Cause I was part of like the LEC All right, part okay. of the active thing when, when the neon thing was there, <laughs> you know, and I was disappointed and I thought the timing was so tragic during pride month. Oh, right, sure. You're going to announce this fucking partnership with, with a, it was second gear Delta after, I believe, but yeah, even so, they cynically right. like waited a Delta. Yeah, yeah. It, it, that's almost even yes. worse. It right? is, isn't it? You, yeah. You, you pull down that the flag worse. and slap up the Nazi symbol instead, right? Right. Exactly. That's that one's done. Yeah. yeah, it's just like, God damn. But you know, and if if I end up putting my foot in my mouth, then so be it. Because I'm trying, because I'm trying to do the right thing. I yeah. accept that because I'm just I'm just one guy. I am an idiot in the same way that everyone's an idiot on this earth. And I'm going to say some dumb things and I'm going to be backed into a corner where it's like, okay, I did try and do the right thing here. Now I'm contradicting myself. I don't know what to do. By the way, what you just said, I think is actually a great line as well. To just admit you don't know that much about the topic. Like, one of the weirdest things is this notion that you're not only supposed to pretend you know, but you still have a really strong opinion on it. Like, mm. and t- by the way, until this, I'd never looked at any of the Saudi shit. I had no opinion at all on it. Yeah, I just, exactly. And like, you, you're... You need to be really educated on everything, and like you say, not only be educated but have a have a strong opinion on it. I just think I don't know. It's just difficult. It's just difficult to do that, and and to be honest, it's tiring. It's bloody oh, tiring sure, keeping yeah. up with not only everything going on in the world, but all the you know travesties and atrocities and whatnot. And some people might argue you have a responsibility as a public figure to maybe use your platform for good and therefore <clears throat> be um, up to up to date and all those things but it's just i'm just a guy living trying to navigate his way through a very strange world and doing video games you know like it's just difficult i just can't be i just i don't know it, it just i think it gets all blown out of proportion to hold public figures to such a standard where where they're then meant to be you know such I don't know, beacons of virtue. Yeah, I guess virtue signaling is a good way to put it. But do you know what I mean? Like, it's just they're just they're just people that want to talk about video games. Honestly, at the end of the day, and sure, maybe there's there's room for them to try and do the right thing, and a lot of them do try and do the right thing. Um, and, and you know, this whole I, I know a lot of stuffs going around specifically with the whole you know Israel and Gaza stuff. That silence. All oh, right, sure. Silence is compliance. I think that's a phrase I've seen a lot. Basically, if you're not speaking out against it, you're essentially for it in a certain way. I just think uh, yeah, it's that's some that's some fucking bullshit right. little little. I never believe that much, sure. Yeah. No, I mean I don't. I I I don't either. And I do. I just think there's enough going on in people's lives. Like, it's that's the point I mean, though. Uh, like, I I always like the like. I don't even know if it's a real quote. If I can quote me, fuck it. But I've always liked uh, <laughs> the the idea that like good deeds are for the privileged. It's like it doesn't necessarily mm. mean that can't do a good deed if you're not privileged but this idea that like again if you to use the chip shop analogy let's say that your chip shop was a franchise thing and it was the biggest franchise in the world but you're you own the franchise right so it's your business within the umbrella of that business if that was owned by some self-made millionaire who becomes a billionaire but then decides to sell it to the saudis are you gonna tank your franchise leave it sell it off or whatever just because now the saudis right. own your yes. chip shop technically yes probably not almost certainly not does that make you a bad person not necessarily only if you 
go out publicly and say a bunch of stupid contradictory stuff yes. beforehand and then put yourself yes. into a corner so i think that's like the biggest problem i think if everyone and it's not necessarily just about being consistent with your position but if you're not going to be consistent you better come out with a good statement and clarify your own ignorance and be willing to humble yourself a little bit and say look the, the landscape changed a bit. I had to change my opinions along with it. Again, this is what I think Frankie should have done and not been stubborn and not have such a ridiculous ego about it. Own the mistake. Say that it is what it is and I'm going to operate in this reality and I'm not so privileged that I can't just say no to good money. Like, there's nothing wrong with that necessarily. I mean, there's something wrong with it, I guess. We're all operating in the grey. That's the point. Like, mm -hmm. you're not going to be... It's pretty much impossible to get through your working life perfectly without any black marks whatsoever. As long as you're willing to explain yourself or be consistent or own up to your own mistakes, people aren't going to hold it against you. As I said, I think the main reason she still gets ridiculous comments to this day is because she's still doubling down and still tripling yeah. down. People don't care that much. Like all the mistakes that think of, Think of some of the ridiculous things that like Lokodoko did, right? Like some absolutely ridiculous things that people have forgotten about. That the reason they did is because, okay, he has an ego as well, but he'll all he'll be he'll admit a mistake. He'll be like, yeah, that was really stupid. Oh my god, oh. I was so stupid. I can't believe I did that. I was so stupid. But there's humility, even if there's ego as well. You have to have that, especially when you're dealing with such big topics which have so many world-bending repercussions. So yeah, I, I in. In a, I thought that I would be in, a, and I still probably do think this, but like that I'd be in a position where there would be a choice to like pick between good and bad companies, or whatever. I realized a few years ago now, at least in esports, that was definitely yeah. not going to be the case. But even though I don't think there'll be a time when I would need to make that choice myself, I would hope I'm still not going to shit on people that do because I think someone like me or anyone could find themselves in a position where maybe that's the only choice they have, unless they have to leave the industry or do whatever. So. Yeah, I think as long as you're not just ridiculously blinkered and saying, as like Fox suggested, if you're not speaking up, you're part of the problem, or if you're not part of the solution, you're part of the problem. These are all just lazy TikTok level bullshit lines to live by. Like I don't buy any of it. So yeah, again, we live in the grey and the situations are nuanced. And as long as you're willing to admit that's the case, then you're probably going to be all right. By the way, the other problem you have here is you can make any uh, example scenario ridiculous if you just massively increase the scale. So, like, here's the difference. I'll make it ridiculous. If I use the chip chopper analogy, but now it's he's only spending a pound on a drink. Well, now you could easily just for luxuries purpose, like Rich is saying, go, well, I don't need your pound. Get out my shop. But if he said for the same kind of drink, I'll give you a billion pounds, now every person even who's moral would go, well, they can't say no to a billion pounds. So the reason why I know this whole Saudi thing, here's the good news, if you don't get caught in the fly, where in the, the traps that you've set up for yourself, like Rich says, if you've made virtue single snippets. The reason why this will just be a blip on the radar is the China example. Did we all sit down when Tencent finally bought out the last shares of Riot and go, right, morally, what do I think about China, the country? What are they doing maybe with human rights? And can I be... No, no, none of us did. Because they were so far above the scale that that analogy was like, if they said, I'll give you 100 billion for the Khan. 
everyone except one weirdo would say yes. So it wasn't even a discussion we had. Now, the Saudis aren't quite at that scale, but they're not far off it. The real problem is we could say no to a Neom deal because that was probably, if I had to guess, like a $10 million sponsorship deal or something, you know. The difference is if they really do come like ESL Facebook Group, like with a billion dollars, the joke is everyone would say yes. That's why I wasn't just being cheeky, by the way, last year when I kept making that analogy where I said the real problem Andrew Tate and Carlos had wasn't what they did on Twitter and on social media. It's that Andrew Tate isn't a billionaire who wants to invest in esports. Because the joke is, if he was, logically, if he's had a billion dollars, by by the logic of this discussion we've just had, how could anyone say no? I mean, he isn't even actually killing people like some of the people we're talking about. Like, logically, he's, he, he actually... I know this is going to blow your mind, League of Legends fans. Andrew Tate isn't as evil as the country Saudi Arabia based on crimes that we've all seen c- claimed for all of them. But we all know... This is... By the way, this will be my last point. This is why, though, I do think this topic will be endlessly discussed and will be very frustrating. Because even though we now are entering the era where no one really wants to mark themselves and we are all just going to say yes on some gradation of level to this money or don't worry simultaneously the very people doing that won't stop doing like the oh did you just tweet like an andrew tate tweet did you just do a fucking tweet with like an inappropriate word they'll still do that simultaneously as they're receiving the giant bag of blood money they'll still be going yeah but look at him get him out of industry that's probably the only part that does tilt me is like i know that that part will also never end like like you said about the frankie angle frankie will never ever give up the ghost on this one because and i'm being serious i've thought about this a lot i think think what she can't handle is this rich is if she admits that she was wrong and essentially was morally corrupt she actually gives the people she is morally condescending to a win over her and she won't ever do that because essentially even though i'm not trying to do this by the way she thinks that if she admits that then it means someone like me who i'm not this bigot person she implies i am she thinks it means i get to win over her so she won't ever let that happen because like for the greater good she has to never let me win if you know what i mean yeah there's a lot of that shit going on is there anything else you guys want to talk about for today's uh I'll guarantee you ever tuned into this episode thought oh, it's just an off season filler. There's no yeah. way this is gonna have like a lot of discussion in it, is there? I think yeah. we got into some pretty interesting stuff though. I even think the, the intro was one of our was one it was of our was pretty good. Some, some good. And also you did just that. remind me of that shit thing, thank God it's Friday, which is yeah. it's the most egregious <laughs> name of all time. And what I love about that is it's so British, because in Britain, for some reason, low-class people, because we are low-class and so we don't know we're low-class, we all do things that just tell on what an absolute pleb you are. Like, for example, in my area, they had the same thing, Foxtrot. They'd always have those, like services where you pay a guy in a van to just deliver booze to your house and it would be called booze for us and it would be b-o-o-z the number four and maybe even us with a z if they're fucking around like and they would just do that and you just think like even reading that makes my skin crawl like like thank god it's friday is funny but you wouldn't actually put it down on the paperwork and submit it you know that's like something you say in the bar but i'll tell you what it, I, I would never be able to forget that chip shop there if i saw it though it worked the marketing works well, it does way, work. I, I don't think i've told i don't think i've told this story before I'll end on this so uh speaking of putting your name down on something so my actually someone i know let's just say i don't want to embarrass them too much well, so they they and their partner were gonna um get a car I, I don't know if it was on finance or whatever but it's like a relatively expensive car and this guy 
they they got denied the payment on the car or whatever and there was also a really tight time window like they're meant to be driving across a, a america or some shit like this okay. so they need, they needed the car and they needed it in this time window and in filling out the paperwork this guy's paperwork got rejected and his partner was fuming why did it get rejected because he'd put down his first like prefix as lord he'd put himself <laughs> as lord and the reason why he'd done this is someone had bought him as a novelty oh, gift no, this yeah. is what, Come yeah, on, yeah, one of those this. things which is like I... you own Wow. this one by one meter square of grass in scotland therefore you are the lord of this land and he genuinely thought that meant he was actually a lord and that he could the thing, this guy's going to turn up the fucking house of lords like no no can i come in like look i've got the thing in scotland and everything like it's not yeah. it's a meme bit it's not real like, so everything got everything got cancelled on the back amazing. of this they didn't get the car they didn't go on the trip everything was cancelled because he thought it'd be funny to put lord down Oh, brilliant. <laughs> That's brilliant. That That's fantastic. my brother-in-law, by the way. Anyway. Yeah. I thought, fuck Thanks. it, he doesn't deserve anonymity. You went, it, what, I think it's like when my, I mean, a person I know, it's like, well, you get, it has to be like a relative at that point in time, or you're like wife or something. Like, Come on. Again, to be I very was, clear, I'm not a blood you. relative. Okay. Very clear. Okay. <laughs> Thanks. Oh, God. I've, I've done something similar as well. When I was younger, mind you, when I didn't know what title meant, I was like, what's your title? I mean, what, what what do you want me to call you? And I wrote something. I can't remember what it was. It was like, I don't know, like Overlord or uh, something really off the rails. I was like, why do you want that? And then I got a letter through the post. It was like Overlord. Oh, right. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's what it means. Like Mr. Mr. Yeah, okay. Well, but, it sounds uh, like your one paid off at least probably. because Yeah, I did. I'm, I'm now, whatever it was, I'm the Overlord of something. I can't remember what it was, but... Yeah, that was uh, that's how I discovered what what title meant for uh, for for addresses. And on that lovely note, have we all covered for today's topics? Anything you guys want to add about anything? And uh, I think it's nice to end on a positive note because there was quite some lots of positive. Yeah, love money. And it's whatnot. all but if it's, you it's close cool. your eyes and you just you know it's all kumbaya, then everything's positive, isn't it? Just pretend that cunt borders don't exist. Borders don't no. exist. It's just esports, baby. That's all it is. It's just esports. Well, thank you so much for being here and talking about just esports. As always, guys, and thank you at home for watching. We'll see you next time.